Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is the moment so many of you have been waiting for. Have you had something on your mind? Have you had something that has really bothered you this week? Well, um, if you have a question for me, now is your opportunity to do it. As we do each and every week, it is time for... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank... Ask Frank Anything. anything. Ask Frank Anything. Ask Frank Anything. That's right. All you have to do is dial 800-848-9222 and we will answer your questions on any subject. Whoever comes up with the most interesting, most creative, most thought-provoking question, a question that is going to be repeated by those who hear it around the dinner table over the weekend or at the playground or at the parks or at the senior center or wherever or at church, wherever people hang out. That's the one, at least the one in the eyes of Matt Blaze, Alex Barnard and Kenneth that will get a special prize. 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Eddie in New Jersey. Hello, Eddie. Hi, good morning, Frank. Hi. Um, I want to ask you about convention of states. Mm-hmm. When they when they have to there has to be two thirds of the states have to have to ask for a convention, right? But how how long is the time period with, within which they get to make that that request? Like could it be over a hundred years? Yes, uh, there's there's no provision in the Constitution for uh, when the uh, states get to you know uh, make their call for a state convention. There's some de- debate about this, but usually the uh, language of the specific states will you know will say. So right now you need uh, two thirds of the state legislatures. You mentioned that's 34 states. Uh, so it, sometimes a state when they pass this legislation. They may say, uh, okay, we're calling for an Article 5 convention to address a specific concern, or sometimes it may be a little bit more uh, general. But no, unless there's a time, a sunset provision in the individual state resolution or legislation, there is, uh, there's no time limit. You're saying technically, if, as long as 34 states since 
1776 have approved this uh, convention of state, then it would Well, unless they've revoked it. For instance, there have been some states— or had a clause, right? Right, in, unless yeah. uh, some states had—and well, not since 1776, but, but from 1789. Some states have indeed revoked their pro- call for uh, an Article Five convention. But uh, as of uh, last year, I think— 19 state legislatures have uh, have called for an Article 5 convention. So you still need at least another 15. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one more thing? Sure. I see in some of the amendments to the Constitution that it has a clause that says that this article shall shall be inoperative unless it, it's ratified by, by a bunch of states and whatever. But only some of the amendments have that. Why is that? I, I'm not I'm, – give me an example. What do you mean? Let's say – uh, the Fifteenth Amendment, Fifteenth uh, Amendment actually doesn't even have it. But some of the amendments say at the end of the amendment, this this amendment shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by the le- legislatures of the several states. Yeah, I, I um, I, I mean, I, I don't. I, I'm looking at the Fifteenth Amendment. I don't see that. I don't see yeah, that in 15th. there. Well, so give me the, a, another 18th. example. The 18th, which happens to be the one that was repealed, but the yeah. 18th and let's say the 21st. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I actually, So in Section 3 of the 18th Amendment, I'm going to read this now. This article shall be inoperative unless it shall have been ratified as an amendment to the Constitution by the legislatures of the several states as provided in the Constitution within seven years from the date of submission uh, to the states of Congress. Okay, so what that is, I can't explain that. What that is is when they, uh, when they passed this, uh, when Congress passed this, they included a time limit and a sunset provision. And that's not unusual. And sometimes that uh, that time limit or sunset provision passes. When they had the Equal Rights Amendment, they included similar language. Congress passed it, but not enough state legislatures passed it in time. Now, sometimes you don't have that. In fact, the, uh, the most recent amendment to the Constitution uh, didn't have that, and it was first proposed in the uh, 1780s. And that's why, even though it was proposed, in the 1780s, it didn't become law until uh, the 1990s. So some some amendments have it, some uh, some amendments don't. Okay, Frank, thanks. You're the best. You and know uh, actually, the 27th amendment. I think I said 26. 27th amendment is the one I meant. <laughs> oh, really cool stuff. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. I yeah, I think I, I hope I was clear there about both his question and the answer. So. Uh, some amendments have a time provision that the states have to pass it, 18th, 21st. Others, as is the case with the 27th, do not. The story of the 27th Amendment is one of the most interesting in history. And uh, I've been trying to get the – and I, I've told it before on the radio, so I won't repeat it now. But I've been trying to get the man that made that possible on the radio. But uh, I'm told he's not the best in terms of doing live interviews and, and things of that nature. But – uh, it is um, it's quite an amazing story. I mean, you think about it. It was an amendment that was proposed in 1789, but it was uh, something that wasn't uh, made effective and didn't pass until 1992. It's a really wild story. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Brandon is in New Jersey. Hello, Brandon. Hey, Frank. I uh, just wanted to know, after being such a snotty boy, uh, did you ever hear back from uh, William Shatner or his people? And was there ever a 
um, doubt that maybe you shouldn't have done it while you were doing it. Do, do have have it did what while I was doing it? I'm sorry. Do, ha, that I shouldn't have done what while I was doing it. Oh, uh, taking the tissue. Oh no, no. Uh, so yeah, I did hear back from them yesterday. They have another moderator for the shows next week. So, uh, but okay. he he did give me the book recommendation that uh, that he was reading for me from his Kindle. So I'm going to uh, I'm going to pick up that book because we got a big kick out of that. But uh, yeah, I will not be in Milwaukee, Detroit, and Atlanta next week, which I happily would have gone to because uh, it's fun to hang out with Shatner, but. It is uh, – I don't really like to travel. I wasn't looking forward to traveling to three different cities within within three days. That's for sure. 800-848-9222. Joel is in Manhattan. Hello, Joel. Hello, Frank. Good morrow as well. Um, what are your top three superheroes? Uh, that's a great question. So do you count uh, the – do you count the X-Men as one or would you count each one individually? I think you'd have to count each one individually. You'd have to do them individually. Okay. Uh, I am uh, so I lo- Batman is right up there. Okay. Uh, lo- okay. Absolutely love Batman. I love um, I love Wolverine. Absolutely love uh, Wolverine. But and okay. uh, even though he's kind of a different style, I also really like uh, I really like Cyclops. I like the Incredible Hulk. And uh, I like uh, I like Spider Man. Those are my to, five. But you ha- you have to you have to come up with three. Three. So I'm yeah, picking. Got to be three. All right. Well, a minute goes five. Then I'll pick uh, Batman, Wolverine, and um, I guess my other one will be the Incredible Hulk. Okay. Now they're all running for president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there there's a debate. Who who wins the physical debate and who wins the uh, the verbal debate. Well, obviously, there's two different debates going on. Well, I think the physical debate is easily won by the Incredible Hulk. And if the Incredible Hulk is Dr. Bruce Banner uh, during during the uh, verbal debate, I think he wins that as well. If um, if okay. if it's one of the you know, the Incredible Hulk had a lot of different incarnations of his character. And at times he was able to maintain Bruce Banner's intellect even while being hulked out. So let's say uh, um, let's say he's not. Let's say it's the you know the gray Hulk or the 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 one that likes to grunt. Then I think uh, clearly uh, Batman with the Bruce Wayne style intellect and penchant for gadgets uh, probably wins that debate. He certainly is an expert on finance, an expert on crime fighting, an expert in business. I think, and you know he's an expert in raising money for charitable causes. I think he would go over real well in a uh, in a in a verbal debate. Okay, so final part of the question is who wins the election in 2024 if they all run? And uh, does it matter whether one's a Republican or a Democrat or independent, and will it go along uh, state lines? You know, had you Both asked me— the popular vote and the electoral. Had you asked me 10 years ago, I would have said, I would have said uh, Bruce Wayne slash Batman would win. That being said, I think in this day and age— both the left and the right, and certainly the center, have such a throw-the-bums-out mentality. They want to tear things down, and they appreciate somebody that's more plain-spoken and, um, you know, doesn't give a hoot about political correctness or offending people. And I actually think Wolverine would have a tremendous popular appeal because I think he speaks the way a lot of regular Americans speak. I think a lot of people would view uh, Bruce Wayne as... uh, 
you know, an elitist rich kid. I think a lot of people would view Batman, if that's the persona he was running on, as a vigilante. I think, um, you know, the Incredible Hulk, if he's in David uh, Bruce Banner mode, I think would uh, be speaking uh, over a lot of people's heads. I think if he was in Hulk mode, I think the grunts don't necessarily translate um, in, in terms of great sound bites. So I think Wolverine wins that election, honestly. In 2024, if, right. you're, if you're talking 20, 2008, then I think uh, Batman wins. <laughs> All right. I think the You're country's much, changed. Right? Yeah. Thank you. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Bill is in Huntington. Hello, Bill. Oh, okay. Um, your station has a commercial for generic Viagra that plays constantly, okay? And at the end of it... <clears throat> This guy, he says, act now, and we'll give you a special gift that gives you rapid and powerful results in the bedroom. So, what's in your minutes. question, Bill? What's I, your question? I want to, I want to know what this uh, free gift that's so fantastic is. You know, if I don't know. So fantastic! If it's so fantastic. Well, okay. Yeah, thanks, Bill. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Vito on Staten Island, what's your question? Frank, how are you? This question will be asked in church on Sunday. Okay. Does Frank Morano get pedicures? Uh, Frank Morano, the answer is no, because you made it plural. However, had you asked the question, uh, did you have feet? (laughs) <laughs> well, all right. But if you've ever, if you ask the question, have I ever gotten a pedicure? The answer to that question is yes. I got one in 2017 in Las Vegas at my uh, wife's behest. We went to Las Vegas for the first time together in 2017. And, how, and, uh, and how she, did you feel after you got it, Frank? You know, I, how did I it make you feel? I, I did. I don't remember feeling much one way or another. I mean, it was uh, it, it was a fun experience because my wife was so into it but it was not something that i would ever really feel the need to do again a foot massage is the best thing to get frank yeah my, you, my relieves, wife swears it by it. a lot of stress my wife swears by it. i you know I'm telling you i swear by it too you got two people not telling you that yeah well i would go i would go for it again i guess i told my wife that our rule could be that i'll get it whenever we're in las vegas but uh, we went again in 2021 and uh, actually, so I guess the first time was 2016, and then we went again together in 2021. I guess we're on a once every five years pace. I'd love to up that a little bit, but I don't know that we'll get there this year. But uh, probably at this rate, we'll be back in 2026, and uh, hope maybe we'll get one again back then. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Uh, let me say hello to Pete in Piscataway. It's that away. Hello, Pete. Uh, hi, Frank. Hey, Frank. Have you ever gotten yelled at by management so bad that even today you kind of shudder when you think about it? Uh, yeah, a couple, several times. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, it's, uh, I think at every radio station I've ever worked at, there's been a time where I've been uh, reprimanded by, uh, by a manager or a coworker uh, so severely that it really, that it really shook me. You know, look, I worked for Phil Boyce for years and Phil's a great guy and Phil and I are friends, but, uh, Phil has a talent and I think everybody would, who's ever worked for him would tell you this. 
Phil has a talent for when he wants to, he can make you feel uh, the size of about a bug. Um, uh, and, you know, sometimes when Curtis gets uh, gets very, uh, very angry, he has a, a means of, uh, of of doing that at times. And when he gets very upset. Um, and I think there's been a couple of moments where that's occurred with, uh, you know, with with uh, other other bosses I've had as well. So it's happened several times. I'd love to tell you it's never happened. But. If there's one thing about me that you can count on, it's that I'm a little bit of a troublemaker, right? And it's that I like to push the envelope. And sometimes that leads to very interesting things, like doing out-of-the-box things on radio and things you don't usually hear on radio. But if you're in management, you know, sometimes you need to throw Frank Moreno a brushback pitch. I am happy to say it has not happened in quite a while, though. 800-848-9222. Let me say hello to John in Brooklyn. Hello, John. Hi, Frank. Do you like being a sanctimonious hypocrite? I do. I do. Um, I, I, um, you know, I think that uh, in the words of that uh, uh, French philosopher, Hypocrisy is the tribute that vice pays to virtue. I believe it was La, Ro- uh, La Roca Foucauld. Uh, I can never say that name correctly, but it's Francois de La Rocafol or something. And essentially what that means is that if you're a hypocrite, that means that at least you're saying the right things. You might not be doing the right things, but at least you're saying them. Now, what's worse? Is it better to be... Um, saying the wrong thing and doing the wrong thing? No. Well, I think there's an element of hypocrisy in all of us. I'm not afraid to admit that I'm a, a bit hypocritical at times. But uh, if I am a hypocrite, and in the in your judgment, I guess I am, then uh, I'm right at least half the time. I might not be right in my words or my actions, but at least I'm one out of two, right? If um, if I was a baseball player and I was one for two, I'd be enough for the Hall of Fame. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your question straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, up, my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city Let's before go. I leave. Brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking pedicure on our toes, toes. Trying on all our clothes, clothes. Boys blowing up our phones, phones. Drop top and playing our favorite CDs. Pulling up to the parties. Trying to get a little bit tipsy. Don't stop, make it pop. This is Kesha singing TikTok. Boy, this is the anthem of a Chinese company which seems to be living on borrowed time in this country. It was Kesha's birthday this week. She turned uh, 36 years old. Happy birthday to Kesha, who celebrated on uh, March 1st. All right, we're answering your questions on any subject. Uh, Whoever comes up with the most interesting, most creative question in the uh, eyes of uh, Matt Blaze, Alex Barnard, and Kenneth, we will give you a uh, prize of some sort, uh, we, as we do each and every edition of this week, this week's version of the show. We are doing The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. 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 
Well, let me say hello to Craig in Tom's River. Hello, Craig. Hey, Frank. How are you? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, real quick, I, it's, it's, I mean, not a trivia question, but I know you're a big Shatner guy. And, uh, right. I was just wondering, do you know what, like, horror movie or slash series that he has, like, a huge attachment to? Uh, horror movie slash series. Uh, well, he was in The Devil's Reign. I enjoyed uh-huh. that. Okay. Is that what the, well, the I, one you're thinking of? No, that's not the one I'm thinking of. All right. Well, what one are you thinking of? Just tell he, me. Oh, okay. The original... The original Halloween from 1978, that was actually uh, the mask, the yes. Michael Myers mask. Uh, yes, That's uh, actually Captain Kirk. Uh, yeah, I'm, painted it white. No, yeah. I, I'm aware of that. I've talked about that before, uh, not only on the air, right. but with him. And uh, I actually uh, spoke about that with him when uh, and asked him, you know, if they got permission and what the story was there. And he had an interesting response. I'm not going to get into it now uh, because uh, I know uh, some of you are tiring of all the Shatnerian talk, but I'll, I'll I'll tell that story another day. Or I think he's talked about it publicly before. You could look it up. 800-848-9222. Shraggy is in New Jersey. Hello, Shraggy. Hi, Frank. I just wanted to know about the FDA's new guidelines. You can call any um, fruit-based uh, juice. You can call it milk legally. How come you can call milk if it's not milk? Yeah, I, I was actually surprised that that went the way it did. Uh, and I probably would have gone the other way. That being said, thank you. Uh, that being said, I, I think people are intelligent enough to know that milk from an animal is different from almond milk, soy milk, or cashew milk, right? You know if you're going to buy whole cow's milk or goat's milk, that it's different from almond milk. I think consumers are smart enough to make the distinction and know that almond milk doesn't come from an animal and that goat's milk or cow's milk does, right? I mean, I don't think uh, – I mean, I was I was surprised that that went uh, a certain way, but whatever. Uh, it's not uh, – I'm not broken up over it at all. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Maryland. Hello, Joe. Hi, Frank. I Hello. like your knowledge and opinions. They Thank really you. Uh... Thank you. Impress me. My question, do you feel that President Biden will put American uh, boots on the ground in Ukraine? And if so, what kind of reverberations do you think that would put on as many angles as you can think of? Well, uh, thank you, Joe. I hope not, obviously. And I, I honestly don't think President Biden wants to do that. And again, he has escalated this far more than I think is prudent. But I don't think he wants uh, troops on the ground for a couple of reasons. One, I think um, he knows that this would be a disaster. Uh, two, I think he knows it would be a dramatic escalation with the country with the largest nuclear stockpile in the world. And three, I think he knows that the American people, even the ones that have been very supportive of uh, the Zelensky government, they have no appetite for that. So I can see us uh, getting more involved. I hope not. But I can see us getting more involved with uh, providing things like F-16s, maybe even getting to the point of a no-fly zone. Uh, But uh, I I don't see President Biden, um, I I can't see him at this point when he's up for re-election in two years, knowing how unpopular that would be. As pro-Zelensky as he's been, I can't see him getting uh, to the point of boots on the ground. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. I certainly hope not. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Dan is in Farmingdale. Hello, Dan. Yeah, Frank, I got a Spotify question for you. Sure. 
original series, you're familiar with the episode with Dr. Atos and the Atabacron? Yes. Okay. You're aware of impending doom. The planet's going to blow up. Mm. You and your immediate family have access to Dr. Atos. He's going to prepare you to go through any time period, any place you want to go, past or future. Mm. Where would you go and why? Huh. Um, that's such a good question. I, I know this might not be, and if I got to think on this a little bit more, I might, uh, I might, I might have a different answer. By the way, if people are not familiar with what Dan is talking about, he's talking about a great Star Trek episode. It's called All Our Yesterdays, and basically, uh, the crew of the Enterprise visits a planet that is doomed, and uh, they're able to send people back in time to any moment in that planet's history. You could go to the Ice Age, you could go to colonial times, whatever the case may be. Uh, and it creates some interesting things. And that episode is actually directed by uh, Marvin Chomsky, who is the cousin of famed uh, linguist and uh, political activist Noam Chomsky, believe it or not. Uh, but uh, I would go to the 1950s. If I'm going with my wife and uh, child, we're going to the 1950s. Because uh, even though that the 1950s was not exactly a great time for minorities in the South, I think in New York, there's a lot to be said for the 1950s in terms of being an ideal time to raise a family and to come of age. And uh, there was relative peace and prosperity. There was radio. There was air conditioning. There was uh, there was movies. There was a lot of the modern amenities that uh, people enjoy about 21st century life, but no social media and a lot not none of the things that drive so many of us crazy about 21st century life. No, uh, no mobile phones. None of that. So I, I think it had just enough technology, and I think um, there was that was a pretty good time. It was a time when the bonds of community were strong. So if I'm going to look for a time to raise my son, I think maybe the 1950s is probably a pretty good point. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Leo is on the Upper East Side. Hello, Leo. Hello, Frank. Uh I have a question. Uh, there was a one single person who was the most important person in American history. Without him, probably would not happen in the United States. And uh, that's the first part of the question. And what what was the the particular thing which he did, which was the most important thing? Well, I, I think it's one of two people, right? I, and I, I realize one of them is sort of an odd answer. Well, actually, I don't think it is. It's one of two people, and uh, their names are joined together in our nation's capital. And the two people are Christopher Columbus and George Washington. But for the two of them, if either of them had never existed, if they had uh, uh, taken Clarence up on his offer and It's a Wonderful Life, then the United States would not be here. Uh, Had Columbus not done what he had done, uh, uh, for all his faults, we would not be here. Had George Washington not uh, repeatedly done what he had done, we would not be here. So uh, it's a tie between the two. Okay. I I actually was... Uh, the way, you know, in Europe, I was reading some historical book. Uh, to me, came Benjamin Franklin, actually, as the president, because without his support from friends, with all the boats, uh, with help with the weapons and food that the French king sent to American Revolution, 
uh, the American Revolution was losing at that time. Well, uh, Leo, uh, thank you for the call. I think that um, you're not going to get me to say anything bad about Benjamin Franklin. I think he was integral not only to the founding of the Republic, but to the inventor of the stove, uh, to, to the invention of the stove, to the discovery of electricity, to uh, every, the Franklin Trust, which uh, we're still seeing the dividends of to this day. His thoughts, not just on government and diplomacy, but his thoughts on science and every other aspect of life are astronomical. And um, yeah, I think I, Benjamin Franklin is a phenomenal founding father and a phenomenal historic personality. But if you're asking me to pick one, I have to pick either George Washington or Christopher Columbus. 800-848-9222. Eric is in Connecticut. Hello, Eric. Hey, how you doing, Frank? Oh, I, I make a living. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm going to switch things up a couple of gears. Because I'm kind of confused about sure. what I should do uh, to handle uh, things. I, I got divorced. and oh, sorry. Mostly my fault. Yeah, I know it sucks. But anyway, um, my ex-wife uh, cheated on me mm. a couple of times. Sorry. Especially with a girl right in nah, – that's okay. Um, it's Well, no, actually, it stinks for me. But uh, I watched her uh, – engage in her friends i don't know how to say it. anyway she kissed her friends uh, uh her friend on a uh chase lounge mm-hmm. and i can't let it go so maybe you can instruct me how i can let it go it's been a couple of years well you, you're already divorced yeah yeah i mean you know how about trying to meet someone else well yeah that's cool but um it's difficult to meet somebody else when your heart was broken and you spent, uh, like, I don't know, over 500000 to uh, get out of the relationship. I, I, I'm so sorry for that. But did you have children? Do you have children? No, I wish I did, but she was uh, infertile. I, so, Eric, I, if I were you, I would uh, – I know it's easier said than done, but I would uh, I would count my blessings that you're done with this woman. This is uh, a woman that uh, caused you financial stress, emotional stress, that clearly uh, – that clearly was – that was not faithful to you. I think you need to – I think you need to move on. You know, there's an old saying that uh, a lot of uh, – a lot of uh, – Promiscuous college girls used to say back in the day that the best way to get over a guy is to get under another guy. And I hate to be so crass, but I think there's some truth to that. And I think uh, if you end up uh, going out and trying to meet as many women as you can, pretty soon it's like uh, Mrs. Eric from Connecticut who eventually you forget about these people. You know, I I know it might be difficult at first, but the eighth, ninth, 20th, 30th date you go on where whether it's with 20 different women or 30 different women or with five different women or with two different women, eventually you do forget. You know, the film Swingers is so great, and I really empathize (laughs) with the um, John Favreau character in that film. And if people haven't seen it, it's not about swinging or anything like that, but it's about a guy, similar to Eric, he wasn't married, but it's about a guy who's heartbroken, and he spends the whole movie waiting for his girlfriend to call, and then, lo and behold, he has some developments in his own romantic relationships with other women, and eventually he doesn't really care if if that girl calls. 
you're better off without her. I know it's a cliche. I know everybody says that. I know it's easier for me to say not having been there. And I've been in your shoes before. Trust me, you look at this as an opportunity to go out there and uh, try and meet as many different women a- as possible. Uh, this Look at this as an opportunity to uh, sow your wild oats. You don't have any reason to have anything to do with this woman anymore. Move on and, and just go hog wild. That's my advice. That's funny. That's awesome. Um, Let me do a right turn for you. Um, What if I'm Christian? Well, okay, so there's no reason. You could do the same thing I just said, just without the sex, right? Just um, you can <laughs> you can still go out and enjoy the uh, companionship of as many many people. If you, you don't believe in premarital sex, which I appreciate and respect, uh, go out and enjoy the companionship of as many different women as possible, but just don't, uh, don't go to bed with them. I think there's a lot of women that may find that really refreshing. You know, uh, go for coffee, go for drinks, go for whatever you like <laughs> to do, tennis, pickleball. I, I think this is a golden opportunity uh, for you, Eric. You know, they had on Seinfeld the summer of George. Make this the spring of Eric. Uh Oh, when I do everything opposite? uh, Opposite? Is that what you're talking no, about? No, 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 no. The summer of George was his plan for getting paid for three months without having to go to work, and he was going to essentially watch a lot of TV and get paid for it. Uh, it didn't work out that well for him. But uh, you, you, you should – your springtime resolution should be to try to meet a, a different interesting woman uh, every every single day. I have to, And, and, and I, eventually you're not going to think twice about this woman. I'm sorry for you what you went through, but trust me, um, in a year from now – now you're this woman is going to be uh, a a distant and bad memory. Uh, good luck to you, Eric. Keep in touch with me. Email yeah, me. Let me know me, how it goes. Ask you a question. Sure. Let me ask a question yeah. real quick. Sure. Uh, George Washington and Ben Franklin were probably uh, as well as like uh, Alexander Hamilton. They uh, forge or forge forward uh, with our country, and ben, Benjamin Franklin doesn't get enough credit. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, I, I, I th- well, I mean, look, we're talking about him uh, several hundred years later. I think that uh, I think he's getting a fair amount of credit. There are a lot of founding fathers that played an integring, integral role in the history of our country that never get talked about. Thomas Paine, his role in the founding of this country, uh, because he uh, fell into a bad way with George Washington and others, I don't think he gets enough credit. John Hansen, do you know who he is? He's somebody that I don't know uh, gets enough credit. Uh, Nathaniel Green, do you know who he is? He's someone that doesn't get enough credit. Israel Bissell, do you know who he is? He's somebody uh, that uh, Paul Revere gets credit for a lot of the work that he did. Um, William Dawes, Benjamin Rush, these are people that are underrated. Ben Franklin is on the $100 bill. People at least think about Ben Franklin uh, every day. I don't know that the same can be said for Governor Morris or John Hansen, uh, let alone C.C. Pinckney. Uh, James Wilson, right? 800-848-9222. Joe is in New Jersey. Hello there, Joe. Yes, hi, Frank. Uh, Great advice. Great advice. And, of course, uh, I consider you a semi-expert on many subjects. Uh, Quick question and a follow-up. Sure. Uh, back in the 70s, I'm a 70-year-old guy mm-hmm. and uh, went to a state, which is uh, two states away from New Jersey, and uh, something happened there. Could you answer me a question? There were 13 shot. Can you answer how many were dead, dead on arrival at that scene in 
the big state, the Buckeye State. Of course, that's Ohio. Well, so are you talking about the Kent State shooting? Exactly, yes. So there were four people uh, killed. You, I remember that, so- that oh, song. Oh, right. You, um, you got the song. All right. Yeah, well, four dead in Ohio. Ba, 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 ba. And don't forget the other one by Buffalo Springfield. I that's think right. It was, uh, yeah, a slow song. Very nice. Yeah. So you win a refrigerator magnet. Thank uh, you. Thank you. <laughs> Honored. I'd love one. Uh, did you have another question, Joe? Just to follow up, if anybody's interested in, in Vietnam history, uh, the indie movie, uh, The War at Home. The Four War at Home. Uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with it, uh, but it's I'll... indie. A guy from Bloomfield, New Jersey, oh, I okay. met at, at a bike show. He's, uh, he was uh, selling posters, so I uh, looked that up, and it shows you before even uh, Kent State, there was a shooting in uh, with, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. I'm sure I'm not getting it right, but yeah. a college up there, and of course, Jackson State. Interesting. Uh, Joe, uh, let me later. run. I want to try and get to some other people. And uh, by the way, people can ask questions about whatever they want. They're not limited to history or Star Trek. If you have questions about pro wrestling, Atlantic City, uh, the radio business, uh, public policy, politics, whatever the case may be, if you're curious about me or anything I've done in my life or uh, my opinion on anything, you're welcome to uh, call in with questions about about any of that. 800-848-9222. Madeline is in uh, the Boogie Down Bronx. Hello, Madeline. Hi, Frank. Hi. Um, speaking of radio business, I have two questions. Sure. One has been driving me crazy since Rudy Giuliani came on your station. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the promo where at the end of the promo, this woman with this great spirited voice says, and Mayor of New York, Rudy Giuliani. And I know I should know her voice. Do you know the promo I'm you, talking uh, about? I do, and that actually came up uh, in the very first edition of Ask Frank Anything, and people have asked this repeatedly. So uh, I don't know for sure, but there's two best guesses as to who that is. Um, and people swear by the fact that it's one of these two women. It's either Yolanda Vega or Oprah Winfrey. It's not Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> well, okay, then it's Yolanda Vega, but it's definitely one of those two. Oh, okay, great voice on her. The other one, um, whatever happened to uh, Lydia? Uh, again, somebody called last week and asked the same question. She went to uh, a cable network, and uh, she's going to be launching a, a show on there. You could follow her at uh, Lydia News on uh, on social media. But, yeah, she chose to go back to the world of, uh, of TV. Uh, but uh, I, I hear from her once in a while. She seems to be doing fine. You have that Rudy Giuliani uh, promo, Mr. Uh, I'm Matt trying Place? to find the right okay. one, but I, I do know who it is. Who it is? Who it is? It's Oprah. Oh, it is Oprah. Yeah, because I've actually seen the clip of Oprah oh, okay. saying All right, that. so it yeah. is Oprah. Yeah, it is so, Oprah. Okay, so uh, Madeline left me off. She scoffed yeah. when I <laughs> yeah, said it was yeah. Oprah. I know. Okay, and so it is. it is Oprah. I thought it was Oprah. Because when I saw the video... I was like, I, I was like, oh, that's from the right. from the promo. Okay, we so oh, play. so you've seen the video of yes, Oprah saying. So it's one hundred percent definitely Oprah Winfrey, not Yolanda Vega. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. All right, um, let me say hello to hey David in the Bronx has been holding. Hello, Dave. Hello there, David. Hey, uh, good evening. Oh, good morning. Morning. You know, by the way, I thought it was one of those. Uh, women presenters from the WWE that was doing that announcement <laughs> for Giuliani, but I guess that was wrong. Um, but uh, my question is about uh, illegal drugs. Now, I was listening to the list of the happiest countries on earth, which we are very low on that list. We're at number 57, wonder- right? No, or, yes. no, or something like that. Well, well, yeah, it's very low. 
So my question to you is, do you think there's a correlation between the unhappiness level in this country and the amount of illegal drugs, especially fentanyl? And is there anything we can do to make Americans happier so that they won't use illegal drugs as much as they do? Uh, It's such a good question. I think there is absolutely a correlation between um, happiness, anxiety, depression, and illegal drug use. I don't think it's a perfect uh, correlation, but, you know, for instance, one of the uh, one of the happiest countries on Earth is uh, actually Haiti. And in Haiti, they're impoverished and uh, they have every reason in the world to be, um, you know, every every reason in the world to be uh, unhappy with their their station in life. But because everyone's so busy, nobody has time to sit around thinking about being depressed. But as far as what we can do, I think, um, honestly, uh, maybe it may tie with one of the subjects that we touched upon yesterday, I think, and, and the previous week. I think maybe a shorter work week, a four-day work week, to allow people some time to spend with family and friends in addition to the day or two of the weekend that they need just to get errands, errands done, uh, I, think that might, uh, I think that might play uh, something of a role. Maybe if we had a more robust uh, vacation policy or a four-day work week, I think that might uh, play a role. Um, and I think there's a whole bunch of things we need that we need um, help with. I think that... Uh, uh, part of it is is certainly the, our addiction to screen time, uh, which I think parents can play a role in uh, in obviating. And thanks for the call, David. Uh, by the way, I'm looking at one list here, and it doesn't list Haiti as one of the most popular, uh, most happy countries in the, in the world. But I did see that somewhere. Maybe not one of the happiest, but one of the l- countries that are the least depressed. Maybe that was the statistic, but I'll, I'll find that. Uh, and the other thing, and you may not uh, appreciate this answer, David is that I think increased participation in organized religion and churches might lead to an uptick in happiness. And I think this has been borne out, right? I mean, the most, um, the, the time in our American history with the greatest church attendance was the 1950s. And you don't, you didn't hear as much, maybe it's because you didn't hear about it, but I don't think there was as much depression and things of that nature. So I think uh, organized religion is something that can be encouraged, not by the government or anything, in spite of what Mayor Adams might say, but encouraged by uh, families and, and things of that nature. 800-848-9222. Liz is in Manhattan. Hello, Liz. Okay, Frank. Is peanut butter constipating? You know that is a good question. Um, I really, I really don't know. I'd have to look that one up. Has it been constipating in your experience? Well, I, I'm having a problem, so I was wondering if that was a factor. Yeah, no, I'm looking this up. Um, peanut butter is a high fiber food that is an unlikely cause of constipation for most people. Rather, the cause of constipation could be. Um, you know, inadequate fluid intake. So maybe try and drink some more water, Liz. Okay, I'm already trying. I all just, right. all right, thank you. I don't think it's the peanut butter, Liz. Good luck. Okay. Let us know how it works out. Hope everything comes out okay. 800-848-9222. Andrew is in Montreal. Hello there, Andrew. Bonsoir. Good evening. Happy Friday from Montreal. Thank Quick you. Quick question for sure. you. Inside baseball question. Mm-hmm. In the WABC studios, in New York City, do you have a wall of fame 
with all the announcers. Specifically, I used to listen. I've been listening for decades. Mr. J. Diamond. Uh, so there is a giant poster that was uh, that was commissioned for our 100th anniversary that has um, almost all of the uh, the personalities. I don't think Jay is on that poster though, and uh, Jay's picture is uh, is not up. I wish I wish it were, and uh, I think a wall of fame a wall of fame is under uh, not under construction, but it's under conception. And uh, I I can guarantee you that if there is to be a radio hall of fame or a WABC hall of fame, Jay Diamond should certainly be uh, in it. Jay Diamond, as far as I'm concerned, is uh, one of the greatest radio talents who has ever lived. Not just for his work on WABC, but for his work on WEVD in New York, WOR, Fox News Radio, filling in for Alan Combs, and even on WRKO in Boston. He's a um, He's a gifted presenter, and if uh, I had my druthers, I would pay whatever it takes to get him back on the radio because the man is brilliant and not only intellectually but a brilliant communicator. Even if And the guy is as entertaining as can be. I don't think you've lived until you've heard his impersonation of, uh, of Jay Diamond. Uh, I've invited him on this program several times, and, you know, he's indicated he doesn't really want to come on radio uh, anymore. So that's fine. I respect that. 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your questions in just a moment. One open line if you want to jump on board. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is Liquid Blue singing If You Even Have to Ask. Uh, This was actually Ralph Nader's campaign theme song in 2004. And uh, I'm still getting a lot of great feedback from my interview with, uh, with Ralph Nader. If you haven't heard that... I definitely would suggest you go back and listen. Uh, you can go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com or you can uh, just probably Google Frank Morano and Ralph Nader and it would uh, it would come up. Uh, the best thing you can do if you don't want to hear the whole show but just want to hear individual interviews is search in any podcast app Frank Morano Interviews and More. And you just get the interviews that we do plus uh, some of the local commentaries that I do in New York. Uh, so uh, sometimes people will, will ask questions, and uh, they're questions that I've addressed in one of these local commentaries. The best way, even if you listen to the podcast or the full show, to make sure you get those is listen to those local commentaries. Frank Morano, interviews, and more. 800-848-9222. We are doing... The Other Side of Midnight proudly presents Ask Frank. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Ask Frank anything. Whatever you have questions about, inside radio questions, questions related to Atlantic City, pro wrestling, baseball, my personal life, my views on history, my views on public affairs, my views on anything, you need advice on something, whatever the question may be, I will do my best to answer it. Now, if it's a question I'm incapable of answering, then I can't answer it. 
it. But I can promise you that if it's something you're genuinely curious about, I will make my utmost, I will do my utmost best to try and answer it. 800-848-9222. Rich is on Staten Island. Hello, Rich. Frank, good morning. I have a uh, question. Sure. How many children did Charles Lindbergh father? The answer will surprise you. Yeah, I know he had this, um, you know, the, this secret French child um, that uh, that uh, you know that that he you know that came about later in life. I think thirteen. Yeah, and uh, I'm surprised people don't go for that. Uh genetic test and find out they actually <laughs> descendant of uh, Charles Lindbergh. Yeah, he was the Nick Cannon of his day, Rich. Thank you. 800-848-9222. Uh, Tommy is in Brooklyn. Hello, Tommy. Morning, Frank. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Great, great. Uh, um, your bumper music has been uh, awesome lately, by Thank the way. Thank you. I appreciate uh, that. Yeah. So I have two questions here for you. First one is, where can I get an application for the sex study in space? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know, Tommy. What's your second question? All right. Um, NASA uh, and and SpaceX are launching a multitude of rockets to go to Mars and begin construction of a base. You were considered and you had to make a decision uh, on this tour, which will last up to six years on Mars. Um, the pay is more than what you make now, plus $150,000 signing bonus. Would you go? Why yes or why no? So, uh, but basically, I'm off the planet for six years? Yes, sir. No, no, no. I I wouldn't do that. Thank you, Tommy. I would love to go to space, uh, whether it's another planet or just hang out in space, for a a day, a couple days, a week, a month max. But I like this planet. I enjoy spending time on this planet. You know how uh, Donald Trump and Charles Lindbergh always used to talk about America first? I am Earth first, right? I am uh, Earth first, Earth foremost. 800-848-9222. Two open lines. I know a bunch of people were trying to get through when the phones were uh, were busy. So if you want to try and call in now, you'll probably have uh, better luck. Uh, Al is in Manhattan. Hello, Al. Good morning, Mr. Morano. Morning. Uh, question. Question. Uh, today's Alexander Graham's uh, birthday. Today's, wh- today's what, Al? I, 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 I... Alexander Graham Bell. It's his birthday. Right, okay. The phone. Yes. Now, the question is this. What came first, the cell phone or the text? <laughs> uh, it's a good question, right? I mean, I guess uh, it's the modern chicken and the egg. I mean, uh, I, I would guess if you're talking about the SMS text, the mobile phone came first. 800-848-9222. Jay is in Cincinnati. Hello, Jay. Hey, Frank. Everybody knows you got the best pizza, Italian food, and bagels. Right. But how, how come... Your water in New York tastes so much better than Ohio River water. It's a great question, and I've actually researched this pretty thoroughly. Um, the watershed, New York City's tap water, it does not come from New York City. It comes from three main sources outside of the city. The Delaware River, the Catskill uh, River, the reservoir that's up there in the Catskills, and one other place. I don't, I don't remember where. But these watersheds have limited limestone and a natural pH balance of 7.2, and that's as close as it gets to pure water, a pH balance of 7. Wherever you get your water from in Cincinnati, I guarantee you the pH balance is nowhere near Seven. Uh, so that's why. 800-848-9222. Uh, let's say hello to Eddie in Nassau. Hello, Eddie. Hey, good morning, Frank. Look, one question. Uh, Milton Freeman, the great economist, 
once stated that he thought that the Great Depressions that were caused in the past century were could be mainly attributed to the Federal Reserve System. Do you have any comments about that? You know, uh, again, uh, the Federal Reserve, thank you, Eddie, is one of those causes that I, one of those issues, and monetary policy in general, is one of those issues that I just barely understand. I, I can explain to a first grader what, what, a, what the Federal Reserve does. Beyond that, I have a tough time. So I, I'm certainly not going to dispute Milton Friedman's view of economics, but uh, you know, the, I'm sure there are other economists of different political persuasions that might have an alternative uh, view. So uh, no, I have no comment on that. Uh, all right. I don't want to have anybody rush through their questions. Matt Blaze, is there a consensus among the three of you? Yes. Joel from Manhattan with the superhero question. Joel from Manhattan with your superhero question, call back at 800-848-9222 and we will give you a prize of some sort. Uh, Everybody else, maybe we'll do uh, a Facebook Live Ask Frank Anything while I'm waiting for our post-show meeting to start. We'll see. Uh, So if you want to participate in that, go to facebook.com slash moranofan. Until next hour, help control the pet population. Get your dog or cat spayed or neutered. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Job or hit job? That is the question. A a fascinating story in the Washington Post. Some of you may have heard about this story because it's been a long time in the making. I don't remember hearing about this. And uh, I, you know, I pay pretty close attention to the news, but. Uh, you know, because I I consume so much news on a daily basis, it's, it's possible that I saw this story a while ago and it slipped my mind. So it's a story of a teacher and a student, and well, okay, let me say what happened. This is as the, as the the Washington Post describes the story. Tamar Herman, she Tamar Herman was a teacher. A teacher in New Jersey, and she knew that a Muslim girl in her second grade class always wore a, a hijab. If you're if you're not familiar with what a hijab is, it's um, it's basically a Muslim. It's a head covering that Muslim women wear uh, when women go in public. It's a part of the religious code. They you know, they have to cover their head. So, okay. And this teacher knew that she had a student that wore a hijab. One day, Tamar Herman thought she saw a hoodie covering it. She asked the girl to remove it, she says. That's what Tamar Herman claims. Then... Depending on who you believe, the teacher either brushed back the fabric 
or forcibly removed it. The girl cries out, that's my hijab. She told her mom about it later. Her hair was briefly exposed. Herman says she apologized and assumed the incident would blow over. (laughs) Oh, boy, is this the wrong country, the wrong state, the wrong issue to assume that something is going to blow over like this. I don't mean to laugh, but nothing blows over anymore. So she thought she apologized. She and um, she was wrong. What could have been a mistake followed by an apology has become a major maelstrom driven by this girl's parents. They are furious. The teacher's statement has also contributed to this. And of course, this has been uh, stoked, but the flames of this have been stoked by social media after an Olympic fencer who made international headlines for competing in her hijab lit into this teacher, Tamar Herman. The local prosecutor opened an investigation. I mean, can we can we pause here? When I hear about the things that local prosecutors are opening investigations to, you know what I want to hear about? I want to hear about robberies. I want to hear about assaults. I want to hear about, um, you know, espionage. Not espionage, because that wouldn't be a local prosecutor. I want to hear about embezzlement, blackmail. I want to hear about real crimes. Not a second-grade teacher who might have done something foolish or rash and immediately apologized. Local prosecutor? Oh, so the local prosecutor opened an investigation. The school district touted upcoming anti-bias training for the staff. Even the governor weighed in because, of course, this is New Jersey. More than a year later, a year later, Tamar Herman remains barred from the classroom, cut off from the calling and the colleagues that she loved. The school district is paying her not to teach. I mean, think about that. The school district and the state of New Jersey have been paying this woman to sit around and do nothing. (sighs) The school district uh, has been paying her not to teach. She is still terrified by threats from strangers on the Internet. Multiple lawsuits have been filed, and the issue has divided this suburban community along racial and religious lines. But no one seems to actually be able to agree, and this is not uncommon when you have incidents like this, right? No one seems to be able to actually agree on what happened that day and why. Did social media play an important role in holding someone accountable? Or did a town full of people communicating via dozens of local Facebook groups rush to judgment in a sincere but misplaced effort to take racial bias seriously. 800-848-9222 if you want to weigh in on this. Uh, That's 800-848-9222. Here is the the mother of this little girl. The the little girl is named Sumaya. Her mom is Cassandra, and she spoke to uh, ABC Channel 7 in New York about this incident. I tried to explain to her about the importance of a hijab. So when she came home and said her teacher put a hijab off her head, I said, girl, 
That TJ Poya, he, oh, she says she went to pull it off like this. And I was like, no, 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 my hijab, my hijab. She don't want to wear her hijab anymore. Being Muslim is not a, just a religion for us. This is our lifestyle. So um, I, I think this has gone way too far as far as I'm concerned. This is um, in uh, Maplewood, New Jersey, Seth Boyden Elementary School. This is an incident that took place in October of 2021. Uh, Tamar Herman strikes me as somebody that may have made a foolish mistake and someone whose life is now going to be forever changed because of it. And um, I think this is just horrible. The CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, uh, has intervened calling for Herman's uh, Herman's immediate firing. And um, the fencer, Muslim Olympian um, Ibataj Muhammad, who was the first Olympian to compete in a hijab, she started a petition on Change.org to bring attention to the matter. And she wrote to her thousands of followers on Facebook and Instagram Herman told the student that her hair was beautiful and she did not have to wear the hijab to school anymore. Now, Tamar Herman says that never happened. Imagine being a child. This is a quote from the Olympian, Miss Muhammad. Imagine being a child and stripped of your clothing in front of your classmates. Imagine the humiliation and trauma this experience has caused her. Uh, This Olympian actually graduated from the South Orange Maplewood, New Jersey School District. She's also a a children's book author and has written books celebrating the the hijab. Um, Here's what's interesting. Herman, the teacher, and Muhammad, the Olympian, were once friends. Isn't it interesting? And I'm sure there's a very good quote that... uh, escapes me at the moment, I'm sorry I didn't think to have it handy, that um, there's nothing that stings so much as an insult when it comes from a friend. Herman and Muhammad were friends. The women both worked out at the same gym, and Muhammad even spoke at Herman's class one year. Herman said she felt betrayed and hurt by this, and she confronted Muhammad about these social media posts and asked her, why not approach her first? And she then asked her to remove them since she deemed Muhammad influential and alleged that her misinformation had turned her life upside down. Washington Post reporting that Herman said to her, I considered you a friend. Not only is it 100% untrue, it was very hurtful to read. So this Olympian says, so Sumaya, that's little girl, Sumaya is a liar? And Herman responded that anyone making these accusations would be a liar and that she doubted Sumaya actually said that. But Muhammad never responded back to Herman and has since filed a lawsuit claiming Muhammad's smear campaign has ruined her teaching career and had led to threats on her life. Herman's former attorney, said the misinformation shared on social media has caused tremendous harm to Ms. Herman. This is a woman, uh, you know, Ms. Herman, who has been a teacher for 30 years, and she's now had to ask for police protection. I just, I think maybe 
you know, you can comment on this case however you want, 800-848-9222. But my key takeaway is it, it almost reminds me of that line um, from Vito Corleone in The Godfather. And, and I'm sorry, uh, it, I relate everything to The Godfather. But when Vito Corleone stands up at that commission meeting, he says, how did things ever get so far? Well, you know, Brando says it in his very Brando-esque way. How did things ever get so far? But you really feel for him, right? I lost a son. Tatalia lost a son. Uh, And, you know, is vengeance going to bring your son back to you or my son back to me? No, let's end this now. I really think there are so many different aspects of life, especially when it comes to social media. Um, But really everything that we need to ask ourselves, shouldn't we just not continue to pour accelerant on this? At some point, you know, maybe the Jesus analogies don't work as well with uh, Ms. Muhammad and, um, and the Wyatts, but, you know, Jesus was a prophet in Islam as well. At what point do you think of Jesus and say, let me turn the other cheek? You, you want to make a sucker out of me? Fine. I'm a sucker. Uh, you got to forgive those who wrong you, right? Uh, I really believe that strongly. If someone gets over on you, great. You know to stay away from them in the future. But uh, I find this story not only so troubling because I feel bad for the little girl. I feel like she was embarrassed and maybe she was traumatized. Uh, and I feel awful for this adult, this teacher. I don't think she meant anything by it. I think she did think the little girl was wearing a hoodie and she tried to take it off. Now, she shouldn't have done that. Um, you know, maybe give her a reprimand. Maybe give her a, a, a three-day suspension, the teacher. But for her life, to her not to be able to teach for a year, I don't think this is in any way appropriate. Uh, 800-848-9222. So when Cassandra, the mom, learned that this teacher was Jewish, she posted on Facebook her reaction and noted that her religion in a and noted her religion in a Facebook live post stating in part, that's why I believe she did it now. I'm furious, according to the Washington Post. Now There's no evidence at all to suggest that she did this because she was Jewish. There's no evidence at all to suggest. And yet this mother of this girl is essentially trying to foment a New Jersey religious war. Jews on one side, Muslims on the other, lawsuits flying around every which direction. This is terrible. I um, I think this is one of these stories where... Everybody except maybe the little girl, Sumaya, who did what she was supposed to do and tell her mom, I think everybody is at fault here. Tamar Herman is at fault for removing the girl's hijab. This Olympian, Miss Muhammad, is at fault for running to social media rather than uh, speaking with her friend directly about what happened. The mom is at fault for invoking the fact that the teacher is Jewish. To me, this is just a, this is, I don't want to quite call it a tragedy because no one has died, and that's generally what apply, that what I use the term tragic to mean. 
Uh, this is incredibly unfortunate. And to me, this should be a reminder to all of us that whatever you do in your own life, try and calm things down. Don't be an accelerant. You know, that guy who called last hour calling me a, a sanctimonious hypocrite, he gets in all these Facebook feuds with our listeners in the Facebook group. And all I can think of, both if you're him and all these people that he's feuding with, is why do you engage? Why keep going? Just say, uh, you know, we agree to disagree. All right, let's let's move on. You go your way. I'll go mine. I'll keep thinking, you know, Frank is a jerk. You can keep thinking he's uh, the Mashiach, and we'll go our different ways. Why do people need to accelerate these these feuds? Who benefits? It's such a waste of time and energy. I've talked about this before, uh, about uh, three weeks ago. Frank McKay, who does a terrific podcast um, for us uh, called, um, you know, on the Red Apple Podcast Network called, uh, uh, I don't know what it's called uh, these days, but uh, it's Hollywood Mysteries or something. But it's it's a very good podcast. And um, he, he and I were political compatriots for many years. And we had a falling out over uh, Hollywood behind closed doors. That's it. I'm sorry. Um, We had a political falling out. We had a falling out over politics. And this is someone I was very close to. And we didn't speak for 10 or 11 years. And and I just think what wasted time that is. For what? For an argument over politics? Who cares? Who cares? And I I really feel uh, that I would never – I would never do that – and at all ever again is to um, stop speaking with someone over over politics. And I find this story, I realize religion is a lot more serious than political. Religious beliefs can be a lot more serious than political beliefs. But to me, I find it equally uh, unfortunate. So when she was asked about the remarks, Cassandra Wyatt, whose family is black, alleged that Herman should have been more sensitive to a head covering since Jewish people wear them too. And then she added, I think that she's racist. I think she's anti-Muslim. I want you to think about that. This teacher who had a Muslim hijab-wearing Olympian come to her school and was friends with that aforementioned Muslim hijab-wearing Olympian and would work out with her, this woman, Cassandra Wyatt, is saying, I think that she's racist. Later, Cassandra Wyatt modified her comments to say she wasn't sure if Herman was racist or anti-Muslim. Months after the incident, Cassandra went to Herman's home unexpectedly telling her that her daughter adored her as a teacher and revealed to her how the matter had gotten out of hand. The young girl's mother would not confirm or deny whether she went to Herman's home, according to the Washington Post. Sumaya Wyatt's father said that he initially wanted his children to attend private school, but then decided on Seth Boyden Elementary School at his wife's urging. Both of his children, Samaya and her other daughter, uh, are now attending private school. Since the allegations, Herman said she's had to relocate and now lives in fear that someone may hurt her. She's experiencing, uh, according to this lawsuit that she's filed, devastating headaches and has trouble sleeping. Herman has filed 
two lawsuits, both of which are pending. The first suit alleges that the district violated her due process rights by putting her on administrative leave without a hearing and discriminated against her uh, based on her religion. The second lawsuit uh, is a defamation suit that's been filed against Miss Muhammad. Um, I think this is just such a shame. One of Herman's friends, and then I'll take your calls at uh, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. One of Herman's friends and allies said in a school board meeting last year that um, right after the prosecutor announced that there would be no charges, she described Herman as a gentle person who could never have done what she was accused of. She also asked what the district address uh, the anti-Semitism connected to the case. And uh, Ben Ryberg, the COO and director of research with the Lawfare Project, which is a civil rights group, um, issued a statement to the Daily Mail, which has also covered this case. This is what uh, Ben Ryberg said. For more than 20 years, Tamar Herman worked tirelessly trying to help each of her students succeed and overcome every obstacle. Then one day, because she is Jewish, Miss Herman was targeted with a vicious and overtly anti-Semitic lie about what was in reality an innocent and well-intentioned interaction with a student. The lie was amplified on social media by loud voices with hundreds of thousands of followers. Those who perpetuated the lie must face the consequences. And they're helping, I guess, with her lawsuit. I find this story so terrible. Uh, And uh, I just wish adults would act like adults at times. 800-848-9222 if you want to comment. What I would ask, if possible, please try to keep the uh, anti-Muslim and anti-Jewish uh, remarks to a minimum. Thank you. Uh, 800-848-9222. Steve is on Long Island. Hello, Steve. Yes, good morning, uh, Frank. Um, you mentioned that the teacher has been teaching for 30 years and she never came across a hijab before? Well, no, I don't think... That, I, that's one of the little suspicions. Yeah, I never said she never came across a hijab. Well, the fact that she made the girl uh, a second grader, I, I just want to make sure I have uh, it's right here. This is a second grade student, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, kids are not bad, but bad parents turn out bad kids. And I think that this parent uh, is more interested in a lawsuit than they bring a little financial gain rather than turning out uh, a, a well rounded child who will turn into an adult, which to me is priceless. And this girl probably never thought about the ramifications of what the teacher did. And this is the mother trying to build up a a case for a lawsuit. And as long as there's a lawyer out there to grab the case, and there are a bunch of liberal justices uh, to um, uh, award, uh, 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 you know, financial award here, um, I think this is the the parent that is just making this more than what it should be. As far as the teacher being Jewish, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Um, well, neither do I, uh, but uh, Cassandra Wyatt has said that. Thank you, Steve. Um, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, so there are two versions, right? In the Tamar Herman version, she said she made a mistake and immediately apologized. In the Cassandra Wyatt version, the teacher didn't just make a mistake. She acted purposefully. 
All right, so that's kind of the fundamental he uh, she said she said aspect of this. I tend to think that uh, Tamar Herman made a mistake, and look, shame on her. But look, she's human. We all make mistakes. Eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. Joe is in Queens. Hello, Joe. Hey, you know, hi Frank. This this makes me think of another era when I was in first grade. I had a nun, Sister Everista. She takes an eraser and throws it at me 100 miles an hour, hits me in the head. And I was like, wow, what an arm. Then she starts pulling my hair, and I got a crew cut, which I didn't want to get, but that was my, so I handled it myself. And then I got one call to my mother, and my mother goes, uh, he's actually a year younger than his classmates. You know, we had to just get some of these people out of the house. You know, so you know that in an era that was a different era. Thing, you know, I I just handled it myself. I just got a crew cut. You know. Well, look, I I don't think the uh, seven-year-old did anything wrong by telling her mother about this. And I don't even necessarily think the mother did anything wrong by uh, talking to the principal about this. But I I think it kind of could have ended there, right? She got an apology. There was no need for uh, social media influencers to make this a cause celeb. There's no need for Facebook Live videos. There's no need for going to this teacher's house there's no need for uh, calling, making sure everybody knows that the teacher's Jewish. No need for any of this. And there's certainly no need for the school district to keep, keep her suspended for this long. I, I just And I question on the part of Tamar Herman whether there's a need for two different lawsuits on this. Um, but uh, we'll see where it goes. I, I tend to side with the teacher on this. But I just think that uh, all of the adults involved could have just, at every single point of this, Taking the temperature down a bit. 800-848-9222. Getzel is in New Jersey. Hello, Getzel. Hi, Frank. I am a practicing Jew. I live in Piscataway. Mm-hmm. I was in Piscataway one time downtown, and I'm walking there, and some regular white American guy, probably Irish-born, comes over to me, knocks my keeper right off my head, shouts some anti, I don't know if I'm going to say it on the radio, anti-Semitic slur. And there was video evidence, it was reported to the cops, and no one cared about it in the slightest. Well, what did the police say? They looked into it, and they didn't get any media coverage, any anything. And I'm perfectly fine now. I'm still alive and well. No after effects, no side effects, no not falling asleep at night. This is when I was like 10, 11 years old. Oh wow. Okay. Well, I mean, it, I um I, I think kids can get over. A, they have a remarkable capacity for getting over things as uh, as and I'm sorry that happened to you. As this proved. Yeah, because Yeah, because my mom didn't make a crazy deal about it like this kid. Well, and and in a pre-social media era, you weren't getting Olympians involved I'm, on your behalf. I'm 21 now. It wasn't I mean, it was 10 years ago. Oh, okay. Well, it's still social media uh, back then. Well, I'm sorry you uh, you had to deal with this, Getzel, but and I'm sorry that happened to you, obviously. But I really I give you and your mom a lot of credit for for how you handled this. I mean, it's uh, it's unfortunate that anybody is handled uh, would need to handle something like this. Uh, it is hateful and uh, insulting and ignorant. But uh, I, I, I give you both credit for being able to get over it and get on with your lives. Yeah, but why doesn't the media? Why is media only covered by jihad? Jihad's not by. 
Yeah, well, Getzel, uh, thank you for the call. I think there is media coverage of anti-Semitic hate crimes. I think we're seeing that uh, more and more, especially uh, around eight years ago with the uh, expansion and the prevalence of the knockout game. There was a lot of attention paid to, uh, you know, to anti-Semitic incidents. And I think we are uh, seeing some, uh, you know, uh, some more media coverage of that. And But to your point, even one of the school board people said the same thing. What is the district doing about anti-Semitic incidents? All right, uh, 800-848-9222. We'll continue with your calls in just a moment. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. The great Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, this was a request, a, bun- a birthday bumper music cor- uh, request from the great Greg Calby, uh, who uh, requested this, and that concludes all of the Greg Calby birthday bumper music requests. 800-848-9222. If you're just tuning in, uh, talking about this case out of New Jersey where... A teacher removed a child's hijab. She says it was an accident. She thought it was a hoodie. And uh, the parents of this girl say that uh, it was intentional. And um, that's where that's where things are. There are multiple lawsuits. Um, they've brought the fact that the teacher is Jewish about this it, right into this. This is what she wrote on uh, one Facebook page, the mother. Um, she... She On Facebook, she shared her views about this discovery that she was Jewish. She said, quote, she's Jewish, period. Try and change that. I'm a print, and this is how she wrote it, I-M-M-A. I'm not doing an affectation. She's Jewish, period. Try and change that. I'm a print 1,000 shirts that says Herman is Jewish. She repeated the same sentiment in at least four Facebook posts and comments on other posts. I just found out the teacher is Jewish. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten H's. That's why I believe she did it now. I'm furious. Uh, So I think this is just terrible. And uh, Wyatt was asked about this, these comments, and she said she meant that Herman should have understood the sensitivity of the hijab, since observant Jews also wear religious garb, but she added, I think that she's racist. I think she's anti-Muslim. 
Um, I think this is just terrible. Mary Beth is in Huntington. Hello, Mary Beth. Hi. Um, you know, I hate to be this way, but I have a feeling it was a setup, and I think the father was involved in it. This little girl was wearing her hajib every day for I don't know how long, but the class, the other students and the teacher knew that it was a religious symbol, correct? That, you know, she covered her hair. Now, did she actually come in one day with an actual hoodie on? Well, that's not clear to me. I don't okay. think so. I don't think so. Uh, but I think she thought, the, the teacher thought that the hijab was a hoodie. But she'd seen, all right, so that's, okay, now that changes the reason for my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they sent her in one day with a hoodie on to see the teacher's reaction. But maybe they sent in a hajib of a different color and it looked like a hoodie. I, it's possible. The entire, the entire thing, I mean, for the mother to make those comments online about the teacher's faith and doing it in such a nasty way as you, you know, read, I can just see those words on the computer screen the way you read it. I mean, something's very wrong here. And then the mother goes on to say that the little girl loves the teacher. Well, why would the little girl love the teacher if the teacher had racist or, you know, well, again, that's what the teacher is saying that that part is unconfirmed by the mom. But to your point, and and you you might be something to what you're saying here, Mary Beth, listen to what um, Cassandra Wyatt's then husband, Joseph said at the time, right? So she, the husband, the, the, I think they're divorced now, but the then husband also pinned the teacher's actions on her religion. In a recent interview, uh, I believe with the Washington Post, and you know what? I, I just linked to this Washington Post piece. If you want to read it for yourself and see the text for yourself, you can go to my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Fan. because whenever you have this many people involved, this many points of views involved, it does get difficult to boil down even when I do my best to do it Talmudically over 20 minutes. This is what Joseph Wyatt said. The uh, former husband of Cassandra Wyatt, and I believe the father of this little girl. Quote, they think they're chosen by God. They come with the money. They monopolize a lot of stuff from money. The Jews, the Semitics, they run Hollywood. They run a lot of stuff. It's all Jewish names. And then he also complained about the attacks on Kanye West, uh, who goes by the name Yee, over the artist's uh, anti-Semitic views on the the power that Jews have. And um, in Joseph Wyatt's view, the conflict in the classroom that day was no doubt about religion. He said, quote, there's always been a conflict with the Muslims and the Jews. That's why they're fighting in Palestine. Uh, The teacher may say it was a mistake, he said, but it was no mistake to her. Um, That's the arrogance. She never apologized to Samaya. She never apologized to us. If you make a mistake, you have to apologize, even if it ain't in your heart. Now, the teacher is saying she did apologize. Um, So uh, clearly, whatever the truth is here, um, the I think the parents are are making the situation Far worse. Uh, Mary Beth, thanks a lot for the call. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. Um, So, uh, and there's a rabbi involved. There's all sorts. (laughs) 
other aspects of this. It's a fascinating. You know, they could make a miniseries about this case, either a dramatic miniseries or a, a documentary. It's really just a wild case. I linked to the Washington Post uh, piece, and we'll see where it goes. But uh, you can bet we're going to be hearing about this for a while because there are now there are multiple lawsuits about this. Um, and it's I think it's a, a shame. Uh, all right. 800 You can comment if you want. Otherwise, you know, we'll move on to uh, other things. I'll tell you this. I was home with my son, Carmine, the other day when uh, my wife was at the dentist. And I had to I, I had to record an interview. I think it was with Ralph Nader. Yeah, because that my rule is if you're 89 and a legend. Yes, I will pre-record an interview with you. I laugh at these people that I've never heard of that pitch me for an interview. And I said, oh, okay, that sounds kind of interesting. How about 3.30 in the morning tomorrow? I said, oh, no, no. Uh, so-and-so can't do it. Uh, the times you're on. Can we pre-tape? All right, well, I mean, can we pre-tape at midnight? No, no, no. How about we, can we pre-tape at noon? No, we can't. I'm asleep. And sorry, I mean, how about you don't pitch me if you don't want to be on the time that you're on. Now, if you're 85, 89 and an icon, then we'll be happy to pre-tape you. So, um, in any event, um, I'm with Carmine by myself, and I'm recording this interview. So I put Carmine in his high chair. I gave him some snacks for about 10 minutes, and he's by himself for 10 minutes. He's entertaining himself, but... I uh, finished the interview. I'm just about to uh, I'm just about to take him out of his high chair. And we're, you know, we're going to play and stuff. And then I hear a knock on my door. And that's how it was. It was specifically shave and a haircut, two bits, you know. So I um I figured it was a friend of mine because in my neighborhood in my house, we have a at least I, in our household, I have an open-door policy. People drop in at all times. It's just crazy. You never know who's going to stop by. And so I figure it's a friend of mine. Who else is going to knock on the door rhythmically? So I just open the door. I don't look at the ring camera. I don't uh, I don't say, who is it? I just open the door. Because I think my friend Vinny said he might have been stopping by that day. So I just open the door. And it's a guy named Emmanuel. Hello. Who says that, uh, who, you know, long story short, was looking to sell us solar panels. Now, we're interested in solar panels because our energy costs are through the roof, pardon the pun, and uh, my neighbors have solar panels and it's worked out well for them. My friends Rich and Danielle have solar panels, it's worked out well for them. My father has it, and not only has it resulted in energy savings for them, but you get a nice tax credit, which we could absolutely use. So I said, well, you know, I'll be honest, we were thinking about solar panels, but we have to replace our roof first. And um, I said, and he said, whoa, well, we can actually help you with that. We can actually get you 0% APR financing to pay for a new roof. You won't have to pay for uh, anything for however long. I said, oh, that's interesting. You know, and now my son is audibly done with being in his high chair. He's done with the Cheerios that I put out for him. He's done with the, the snack that I gave him. I think I cut up a piece of uh, cheddar cheese. For He's done. He's ready to do something else. His favorite activity is um, either climbing up the stairs or uh, he's got this car that he doesn't like sitting in, but he likes pushing with me. Um, so anyway, 
we are um, – I, 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 he's hears Carmine kind of – wasn't crying, but he was being cranky. I said, you know, I'm tied up with my son, Emmanuel. If you can just give me some literature – my wife makes all the decisions about this anyway. Uh, I'll go over it with her, and she'll be in touch with you because this is something that we're interested in. And then he said, all right, I'll send you a digital brochure, and he texted, texted to me. And uh, he said, is there another time that I could come back and maybe make my full presentation with both of you? And I said, honestly, I, I don't know what the story is. We have such a packed weekend, um, uh, maybe Saturday. And he says, well, how about Saturday at 9? I said, no, I, I can't do it. Uh, got stuff in the morning. Uh, we won't be home till after, you know, 3. He says, well, okay, how about, and he says, how about 4 or 4.30, and then if you need to change the time, we can. All right, fine. So I book the time. I give the digital brochure to Rachel, and uh, he needs, he says, if we can get him a copy of our energy usage, he'll look at us and tell us how much money we can expect to save. By the way, I'm curious if anybody has done this and if it's worked out well for them. Basically, my wife decided, and we're going to listen to what this guy says uh, on Saturday, but basically she uh, she wants to talk with our neighbors to see what company they have used because they seem pretty pleased. And also um, our friends Rich and Danielle to see what company they've used because, you know, we're all in the same neighborhood and, you know, she wants to use somebody that they're happy with. But uh, she'd been researching it and everything. We'll see where it goes. But uh, last conversation I left off with my wife, she doesn't want it on the front of her, our house. And if it only goes on the front of our house, uh, she's she's out. She thinks it looks ugly on the front of the house. But if it can go on the back, then she is okay with it. I'm curious if anybody. It depends on your house. Yeah, well, obviously, and, and, and right. That's why the we're direction gonna... and the sun. Yeah, and no, no. That's there, why we're it... going to talk with this guy and see if we can be put on the back of our house. Right. Some can be put on the back. Some can't be put on the right. back. Some exactly. can be put on the front and yeah. the back, depending. But it. But I looked into it, and when I did, and it was a few years ago, that when you calculated everything out, like the cost of getting the panels, and they have the whole thing. If you buy them, you lease them. They have this whole thing. That in the end, you really weren't saving much money. Really? So you didn't end up getting it? So I didn't it. end up doing it. Even I don't... with the tax credit. Well, does New Jersey offer a tax yeah, credit? Yeah, there was. But in the end, it just didn't pay to do really? it. Really? Okay, well, we're so going to look at it. So it might be different now. I mean. Well, we're what... going to look at it. Uh, but I'm curious if people have done this recently, what the savings have been for for folks. But it's funny. You know, uh, last Saturday, I had nothing scheduled. <laughs> this Saturday, it is a typical Frank Morano Saturday. Obviously, you know, I it, it's a um, you know, I, I take care of my son in the morning, give him breakfast and I try to let Rachel sleep because whenever he gets up during the week at night, she's got to take care of him by herself. And that means she doesn't get a lot of sleep during the week. So I try to let her sleep at night. And so I get up with my son and then I have to watch Smirconish from nine to ten. And the rest of the world it may not even exist as far as I'm concerned for that hour. I need that hour to watch Smirconish. And if and if I get time before that, then I'll watch the Smirconish pre-show that he does on uh, on YouTube. So then uh, I'm going to be with John Katsimatidis. He's doing this uh, uh, a book signing at the ballpark in Staten Island on the North Shore in St. George. And Homer Bush, the new manager of the Ferry Hawks, the former New York Yankee, he's going to be there as well. So I'm going to go there, and then. Um, the, and I got a Homer Bush baseball card that I ordered. I'm going to get him to sign that, hopefully, and uh, get John to sign my book, which I mentioned on, by the way. If you got a copy of the book, which is available on Amazon, it's called How Far Do You Want to Go? I am on, I am mentioned on page 230 and 243. 
So those of you that are Moranaholics, maybe you just want us to skip to those pages. It's a great book, though. It's an interesting story. So uh, we have that, and then I'm going all the way to the other side of the island for this blood drive at Our Lady Help of Christians. And it's not just a blood drive, but a friend of our family, Johnny Dilgen, he needs a bone marrow transplant. So they're swabbing people's cheeks to see if anyone is a, a potential match for bone marrow. So I'm going to be there for a couple hours, and then I have to go back home to meet with this solar panel guy to see if we can get these panels on the back of our roof and how much money we would save. And then my favorite second cousin, Andrea, happens to be in the region. She lives in Philadelphia, but she's going to be in New York. And she's been going out with this guy, Artie, for a year and a half now, who's a chef or something. And uh, we're going to meet them for dinner. So my mom is going to come babysit Carmine, and we are going to hightail it over to uh, Williamsburg, which was a good like middle ground between where they are and where we are. Have dinner with them, come back, relieve my mom, and that's our Saturday. Hopefully we're home early enough we could see another Academy Award-nominated film. I'm hoping to see Elvis, uh, which I hear is uh, is very good. Speaking of movies, uh, next hour we are going to talk with the one and only Debbie Schlussel. I am not even going to bring up this case with her that we were talking about with the uh, with the hijab incident. Because uh, Debbie Schlussel, I'm sure she knows about this already, she would just see red and just go crazy. <laughs> I, mean, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out. Is there but, some place to go? Is there some place I can get away from all of this? Uh, so you know, it's funny th- that you played that Bob Grant clip. I was producing Bob's show um, in 2009 or so, and I don't know if it was radio or if it was on Uba TV. And there was a moment, and I wish the video of this was somewhere. I don't think it is. There was a moment where he had Debbie Schlussel on, and. They got into, and now Bob at the time was at least 80, um, he, they got into this heated argument on TV, and I felt so bad. Bob ended up ending the interview, and uh, and I think either she hung up or he hung up on her. It was all about Bob Novak, because Debbie Schlussel doesn't like Bob Novak, or didn't like Bob Novak, and Bob Grant really liked Bob Novak. So uh, I, I won't even bring up Pat Buchanan with Debbie. You can imagine where that would go. But uh, I'm looking forward to talking with Debbie Schlossel. I find her incredibly engaging. I realize she's polarizing uh, with some. But as a film critic, as a, a she's a lawyer as well. So I'm going to ask her about this Alec Murdoch case uh, in the light of the guilty verdict there. But uh, I'm looking forward to talking with her. We'll get her views on the Oscar-nominated films to find out if anything's out that you might want to check out in terms of movies. And I'm going to pick her brain not only on the Murdoch case, but uh, if there's time on this Fox News case as well. Uh, We'll get back to your calls in a moment. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Yeah, 
This is Trampoline by Kiro Kiro Benito. How great is this song? Doesn't this make you... I love this. Sure, it's a little bubblegum mask. I think it's great. I think it is absolutely great. It's carefree. It's sugary. Uh, it's great. It's all about picking yourself up after getting knocked down. Such an important lesson for all of us. 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. Original Rick is in New Jersey. Hello. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. Good morning. Just real real quick about uh, whether or not you can have the uh, solar panels on the back of your house. It has to be on a southern-facing roof. So it depends on what you, you know your direction of your house. That's, that's all it depends on. If it's a southern-facing roof, that's what it has to go on. Okay, up. yeah, I think um, I think we might be west-facing. What does that mean? That, 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 well, that could be a problem. All right, so we'll see what Emmanuel says when we meet with him. Do you have yeah, these? They, 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 no, no, I've looked into it. I, I don't have enough uh, roof real estate, they call it, because I have I'm, I live in a dormer, so my windows come out of the roof, and it, it, there's not a long enough stretch in one spot, so I can't do it. But they said at a perfect roof, it faces directly south, but it, it can't go on the north, that's for sure. So, And they also have an app. Most companies have an app that will look at your house on Google uh, Maps and tell you whether or not your house is a, a candidate. But, of course, they look at the southern side. They don't figure that you're going to say, I want it on this right. side well, or that so, side. Yeah, so we'll see what they say uh, tomorrow. Thank you, Rick. Have a good weekend. Uh, 800-848-9222. i got to mention this story uh, before we run out of time here. DNA from four American presidents is going to be launched into space. we got denunciations coming up in five minutes, by the way. DNA from presidents Washington, Eisenhower, Kennedy, and Reagan are going to join the cast and crew from Star Trek. This is really interesting. The Texas-based space burial company, Celestis will honor George Washington, Dwight Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, and Ronald Reagan by adding their symbolic remains to the aerospace firm's upcoming Deep Space Remembrance Enterprise flight, along with uh, several deceased Star Trek legends and science fiction superstars. This was announced just uh, this week. In addition to the cremated remains and DNA samples of Nichelle Nichols, DeForest Kelly, uh, Gene Roddenberry, his wife, Majel Barrett Roddenberry, uh, James Doohan, who played Scotty, and uh, the, the fellow that uh, was inv- a fellow that was involved in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, these presidential offerings will launch sometime this year in special capsules inside a United Launch Alliance Vulcan rocket. So uh, I think this is pretty interesting. Celestis um, is going, they announced this on President's Day, actually. And uh, this is going to be really interesting. They're taking uh, what are believed to be authenticated DNA of these presidents on this upcoming flight. And it's going to make it the first time in history that any president has gone to space in any fashion symbolically or otherwise. These are hair samples, which were originally from the Lewis Mushrow collection, along with the associated certificates of authenticity. And they were given to this company by an anonymous donor for the purpose of being included on a deep space mission.
So wouldn't it be interesting if you want to let your imagination run wild with you? Wouldn't it be interesting? Maybe I'll use an AI, the AI chat bot to, to write a, uh, a short story where this occurs. If a, an advanced alien civilization came across the remains of these presidents and decided, hey, these must be the most important people that Earth has. Why don't we clone them and bring them back to life? And they cloned these Star Trek cast members and Presidents Kennedy, Eisenhower, Reagan, and Washington. And then those guys come back to Earth. I mean, that would be that would be pretty cool. Um, scary, but, you know, kind of cool. Uh, it, you know, it would be like that Star Trek episode, The Savage Curtain with Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I was actually, I was having cigars with my friend Pat Russo and my friend Adam uh, last night before the show. And, uh, which is very rare that I'll smoke cigar right before the show, but this happens to be one day where it happened. And Pat brought up that particular Star Trek episode with Abraham Lincoln. But uh, we'll see. I think that it's going to be very interesting to see where this works out. All right, if you have comments... We'll make every effort to take them. We have denunciations to get to and Debbie Schlussel. This is The Other Side of Midnight, 800-848-9222. Until next hour, keep asking questions. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. You know, I just had this uh, AI chatbot write that short story with the president didn't come out so great. I, I almost, I feel like a human writer could have done a better job. I do. Um, maybe I'll write it. I'll see, you know, I'll, I'll put that on the list of things to do with all that, uh, free time that I have. Let me make a note to put it on my list of things to do with the, all that free time. Hang on. Short story. President's DNA. Yeah, I'm not even going to post it because I don't want people to think I wrote this and it could be a lot better, I think. All right. Uh, we're going to do denunciations in a moment and then we're going to talk with uh, Debbie Schlossel, find out what's it worth seeing in the movies and her take on the Academy Awards. Uh, one thing I want to mention also, because a friend of mine texted me who's been divorced and it was his opinion that the caller, Eric, that called in the first hour that was having a tough time getting over his his divorce from his wife, that uh, that he needs a lot more than what I was suggesting. He said he probably needs some sort of counseling. Maybe that's true. And, you know, different things work for different people. And something that works well for me may not necessarily work well for you. So uh, if, if, if Eric is listening or anybody similar to Eric's situation is listening – uh, maybe counseling is not a bad uh, solution for you. The, uh, there's a lot of online counselors that you can turn to and you don't have to worry about visiting an office and you get a real live counseling session online. One that uh, that I have used is called BetterHelp.com and you get a th- private therapy session with a licensed therapist 
and it's all confidential, and you can do it from the comfort of wherever you do. They're not an advertiser. They're not paying us anything. But uh, that is something that uh, a lot of people may find helpful, betterhelp.com. So for I didn't mean to ignore that possibility, and that was a good point that my friend made. So if people are in that position and they find that my approach might not be working, maybe counseling is a good fit. 800-848-9222. One quick tweet. Peter writes, terrible choice tonight for favorite caller. Just recently, a guy asked for your favorite superhero. I can't believe you forgot that. Repetition almost as bad as dead air on radio. Thank you, Peter. Take it up with Matt Place, Kenneth, and Alex Barnard. I didn't forget. Those guys forgot. All right. Uh, without further... Hey, um, Larry in Brooklyn's been holding a while. Let me get to his call before we get to denunciations, and then we'll talk to Debbie Schlussel. Larry in Brooklyn, hello. Hi, Frank. You know, I have to comment about that case in New Jersey because... It seems like people are so brazen to clog up the courts with what is no more than just uh, um, age-old anti-Semitism. Um, it's analogous to what went on in the previous administration with uh, when when this Carranza guy, I don't know if we got his first name, was uh, right, Chancellor mm-hmm. Richard Carranza. What he was doing is he was, he was systematically moving all the Jewish uh, teachers. They could have been administrators for 27 years out of departments in schools that were all minority because he claimed that their Jewishness interfered with the learning of the minority students. Now, the interesting thing is my mother, my mother, she should rest in peace. She recently passed 98 was a teacher for over 25 by 25 years in East New York. And in the next classroom was another Jewish woman who was the wife of the biggest rabbi in Brooklyn. And uh, they taught these. They taught in East New York for 25 years. And recently, I had an experience where I, I ran into this woman in downtown Brooklyn, who was a, a black woman who happened to teach in East New York. She was a retired teacher, and I told her about my mother, and she said she remarked, she said, "Oh, the Jewish teachers were the best." She mm. said. And so I just wanted to, you know, to mention that and to show this is just typical anti-Semitism. That's all it is. All right. Thank you, Larry. On that note. The Other Side of Midnight presents Denunciation. I must announce the following people, entities, or individual. I have to begin with Andrea Mitchell. And I'm not one of these guys that picks on reporters or anchors for their political bias. But what she did was blatantly dishonest. She uh, was doing an interview on MSNBC. If you're not familiar with Andrea Mitchell, she's on MSNBC. She's been a journalist forever. She's married to Alan Greenspan, the former head of the Federal Reserve. And she asked uh, during an interview with Vice President Kamala Harris, she said, quote, what does Governor Ron DeSantis not know about black history and the black experience when he says that slavery and the aftermath of slavery should not be taught to Florida schoolchildren? So the premise of her question was that DeSantis has called for an end to lessons about slavery and its aftermath in public schools. That whole premise is false. Now, that's a pretty big thing to get wrong. I mean, I'm not saying everybody should be as prepared as as someone like I am for an interview, but you should at least know what the law said is that you're going to ask her about. I mean, that was really 
Forget about bias. It was just shoddy journalism. It was really terrible. So, Andrea Mitchell, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the New York City Department of Transportation. I'm not sure if, yeah, New York City Department of Transportation. You know Jackie Robinson, the famous baseball player, number 42, the only number retired in all of baseball, first black Major League Baseball player? Well, the New York Department of Transportation misspelled the name of baseball legend uh, Jackie Robinson on a new highway sign put up this month. The highway sign read, The Jakey Robinson Parkway, missing the letter C in Robinson's first name. This has been uh, tweeted out there. The um, I think the mistake has been corrected and they've replaced the misspelled sign. I just how often does this happen where these major spelling errors on signs that are supposed to be honoring people? I just don't understand how this happens. This is crazy. Uh, New York City DOT, I do denounce you. I must also denounce the new and former Brazilian president, meaning he's returning. He's the president, but he was the president before. Lula, uh, President Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. He, they they have um, essentially banned disinformation. So they made you, they, they, um, The problem with this is, and I don't like election disinformation, but this raises so many concerns, one, about who decides what disinformation is, and it also raises concerns about free speech. And I don't think that they should be able to just say, you know, disinformation isn't allowed. I think um, you have a right to lie. Uh, I, I firmly believe that. And it's up to the press, political officials, and others to get the the alternative information out there. I think this is just horrible. Brazil, under Lula's new government, is now poised to become the first democratic country, unless you count Singapore and Malaysia, which I do not, to restrict govern and ban what it and various officials regard as fake news. This is crazy. Um, And yet Brazil's left, which is supposed to value things like freedom of speech, and the media, they're largely united. They're all for, oh, ban it. This This is nuts. Absolutely nuts. Who's to decide what disinformation is? I must denounce the uh, the leaders over at Minot Air Force Base in uh, North Dakota. Two U.S. Air Force commanders and four of their subordinates, subordinates at this nuclear, this key nuclear base in North Dakota have been relieved of duty this week after their units failed an inspection designed to ensure that the nuclear weapons stockpile is safe and secure at all times. The removals occurred at Minot Air Force Base. This is the only Air Force installation in the country that houses two legs of the nuclear triad, both ballistic missile silos and strategic bombers. 
And apparently these six service members were relieved of duty following this failed nuclear safety inspection. This nuclear inspection is a pass-fail test and the results are classified. There's no indication that the failed inspection was related to the handling of a nuclear weapon itself. But if you're doing such a poor job safeguarding nuclear weapons that you're actually going to get fired because of it, you better believe you are getting denounced. So to these uh, Air Force commanders and their force subordinates, I do denounce you. I must also denounce two people who have pled guilty and have been sentenced to jail for plotting to firebomb the state Democratic Party in California. Ian Benjamin Rogers and Jared Copeland have admitted that um, they conspired to destroy the Democratic headquarters in San Francisco, in Sacramento. This is horrible. Uh, And I would say this if this was the Republican headquarters. I would say this if this was the Communist headquarters, Libertarian Party, or Fascist Party. Nobody should be plotting to firebomb anything, especially not an opposition political party. This is not what America is about. America is supposed to be about the marketplace of ideas. You go out there, you put your ideas out there, the other guy puts his ideas out there, and if they can figure something out, great. If not, may the best man, may the best party, may the best ideas win. You should never resort to this sort of violence. These are not children. These are adults. And uh, shame on them. So to both of those gentlemen, I do denounce you. I must also denounce Airbnb. And I like Airbnb. I've used Airbnb many times. But what they're doing, I mean, you know what Airbnb should do? They should get whoever's running the Brazilian government to step in as on the board of the directors at Airbnb because they'd fit right in. Airbnb is banning people from using its site because of their mere association with other users that the short-term rental company has deemed a safety risk and removed from the platform. This is crazy. This is the definition of guilt by association. So you mean to tell me if Kenneth is banned from Airbnb and I refuse to renounce my friendship with Kenneth, I'm banned from Airbnb? This is nuts. Shame on you, Airbnb. I do denounce you. Must also denounce Lance Gooden, congressman uh, from Texas. He suggested this week that Congresswoman Judy Chu of California, the nation's first Chinese-American congresswoman, is disloyal to the United States. I mean, this is terrible. Um, Judy Chu's big crime was defending Dominic Ng, President Biden's selection to lead U.S. trade interests in Asia, from accusations that Ng is working on behalf of communist leaders in Beijing. Lance Gooden told Fox News, I question her loyalty or competence. I mean, I think this is really, I don't want to even say this is pretty close to racism. I think this is racism. She's Chinese, and essentially you're saying she's in bed with the Chinese government. I don't think this is right at all. I think he owes this congresswoman an apology. I must also denounce 
these Columbus statue vandals. There is a beautiful statue of Christopher Columbus in Central Park. And uh, this week it was scrawled with red paint and the words murderer across its stone pedestal. I just I don't know who these losers are that uh, have time to deface any statue, especially Christopher Columbus. Detectives have a video of two people, possibly a man and a woman, defacing this statue around 1130 on Sunday night with spray paint. The pair wrote, land back on three sides of the bronze and granite statue and murderer on another. There have been no arrests. But the NYPD is investigating the incident. If caught, the spray paint artist will likely be charged with vandalism and making graffiti. Metal barricades surrounded the statue for most of the week. This is horrible. These people are such low-life degenerates. And if you're one of these people that has denounced, that has vandalized this statue, I do denounce you. I must also denounce... The zero-calorie sugar substitute, erythritol. Now, I've eaten foods that contain erythritol before. Erythritol is it's, it's not an artificial sweetener. They call it a natural um, sweetener. It is a zero-calorie sugar sw- substitute that has been used to sweeten low-calorie, low-carb, and keto products. And it has now been linked... To higher risk of heart attack, stroke, and death. You know, I think this may be with the Zevia that I drink, which does not contain erythritol. I I checked. Um, Since I gave up booze for Lent, I'm allowing myself one Zevia a day. And uh, it has no erythritol in it, but it has stevia. And I I wonder, maybe this is just too good to be true. You know, there was this this trend years ago of, uh, of healthy ice creams. Some of them contain monk fruit. Some of them contain stevia. Some of them contain uh, erythritol. And I thought the same thing at the time. These were way too tasty to be this healthy, to be this low calorie, to be this packed with protein, uh, to be this everything. And I think maybe this is another you know, uh, example of that. The uh, The... There was one, I don't remember which ice cream had the erythritol in it. I think it might have been uh, Arctic Zero. But researchers at the Cleveland Clinic studied over 4,000 people in the U.S. and Europe, and they found those with higher blood erythritol levels were at elevated risk of experiencing these major cardiac events. Research was published Monday in the journal Nature Medicine, It also found that erythritol made blood platelets easier to form a clot. So sugar-free products containing erythritol are often recommended for people with obesity, diabetes, or metabolic syndrome as ways to manage sugar and calorie intake. Erythritol is one ingredient in the common calorie-free stevia sweetener, Truvia, for example. Uh, So they're urging people who suffer with some of these things to maybe think twice before erythritol. Uh, CBS News medical contributor Dr. David Agus says while the study doesn't definitely show causation, he says there's certainly enough data to make you very worried. I'm going to stay away from this. I'm going to check the label of anything I consume. Um, I must also denounce, finally, 
Acker Wines here in New York. Acker Wines has been in business for a whopping 203 years. It uh, is an elite wine store on the Upper West Side in Manhattan. It's racked up a slew of accolades since its inception in 1820. Family-run business, West 72nd Street, billed as the oldest wine shop in America. Why are we denouncing such a great place? It's everything that I love. It's historic. It sells booze. It's a uh, you know, family business. Well, well, maybe they don't sell booze. They have uh, now been fined, a hefty fine that they've agreed to set, pay to settle these charges of $100,000. Because an Inside Edition report uncovered that they've been selling fraudulent bottles of booze. Specifically, the report uncovered that fraudulent bottles of Colonel E.H. Taylor Four Grain, which are produced at the Buffalo Trace Distillery in Frankfort, Kentucky, and retail for $1,000, they were sold at the Upper West Side storefront. Now, um, they were fraudulent. It wasn't the real stuff. So there's all sorts of other instances of them trying to pawn off fake liquor. And look, I have a big problem with anybody that would try to take advantage of of drinkers like this. And it seems like this was done for pure greed purposes. Acker's head honcho John Capon is uh, taking full responsibility And anyone involved in the initial incident is still, uh, I I can't tell if they're employed or not by the business. But the New York Post reported that the fines um, could have been much heftier had they not agreed to a settlement here. So, Uh, Acker Wines, I do denounce you. All right, we'll talk with Debbie Schlussel in a moment, find out what movies are worth seeing. Uh, 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on anything we've uh, discussed thus far, be my guest. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. One of the songs in both the original Top Gun and uh, the new Top Gun as well, which is one of the films nominated for an Academy Awards. One of my favorite people to talk movies with is one of my favorite people to talk about anything with. Uh, Debbie Schlussel, she is an attorney. She is a conservative uh, commentator. She is a film critic and all-around interesting person to uh, talk to, which we try to do as frequently as possible. Debbie, thanks so much for uh, for joining us again on the radio. 
Anytime. Thanks for having me back. Um, so I want to I want to ask your opinion on the movies, both your predictions, hopes and fears for the Oscars in two weeks. But <laughs> I have to uh, take advantage of your uh, legal expertise first. With the case of uh, Alec, Alec Murdoch, who it drives me crazy that I pronounce his name Murdoch instead of Murdaugh, which is clearly how it's spelled. He's been mm-hmm. found guilty of a lot more than mispronunciation of his name. <laughs> He's uh, been found guilty on all the counts that he was charged with. Had you paid attention to this case at all, Debbie? And uh, were you surprised very by much. the outcome? Tell me about it. Tell me what you thought. I watched it very closely. I was fascinated by the whole story that a man could kill his wife and his own child, and then just all these murders piling up and him thinking he would get away with it. Um, You know, there's a lot to the story that you don't see on the mainstream media, but there were a lot of murders that were tied to him. And not only that, but a lot of clients that he stole their money, like a lot of different ones where he was in charge of the case and then all of a sudden, the people just never got a settlement. There were a few cases like that. There's only one, I think, that they focused on um, or that they mentioned at the trial. But I actually was not surprised. I actually had an argument with this friend of mine who lives in New York, and she said, oh, I, I think they're going to take a few days, and, you know, they might find to, they might acquit him. And I said, no way. The facts are so strong, and I said this from the beginning of the case to her. The facts are so strong that I would be surprised if they're out for even a day. Um, I think they're going to come back very quickly, which it's rare because jurors want to show that they had spent some time deliberating. They don't want to look like, you know, they didn't think about it at all after sitting through something, especially that long. But this was a month-long trial. They want to go home. So I actually was not surprised, Hmm. and uh, I thought that they would have a swift and certain guilty verdict, and I was right. You you certainly were. So what is the next uh, step in terms of the penalty phase of this case? Is 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 the death penalty a consideration, or is he looking at life in prison? They took the death penalty off the table. My understanding was the reason was that they thought it would be much harder to convict him if they left that on the table. Uh. Um, but I think he's got life in prison. I mean, I think you heard the judge, if you were watching, he um, wanted, uh, his lawyers asked the judge to enter uh, a not guilty verdict, notwithstanding, uh, it's called a judgment notwithstanding the evidence. And um, the judge said no there's a lot of evidence of your guilt, a lot. He said that it was basically overwhelming, and I think he's going to throw the book at him. I think everyone, this is, listen, you know that I don't try to see politics in everything, but sometimes it's there. In this case, this guy is a killer, and he deserved everything he got, he gets, and, and so on. But I think part of the fascination is that, you know, he's from a very privileged family that has been historically privileged for over 100 years mm. in South Carolina. He's white. He's male. Um, it fits into this whole white privilege category and people, you know, d- especially don't like that. And I, you, you think that maybe I'm, I'm, you know, seeing something into this that, that, should, that shouldn't be. But I remember that Dick Wolf. Um, the inventor of Law and Order, the creator of Law and Order, said that something like only 5% of his 
murderers and criminals in the Law and Order shows are black or Muslim. He said the other 95%, this was to the Wall Street Journal, are white and wealthy because that's who the public wants to see, get it, and be at fault. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Wow, uh, that's uh, that's an interesting uh, observation. I, I would not have realized that. That makes sense in that uh, in that context. Both the public interest. But we know in New York, not in real life. You yeah. know. Well, uh, yeah, that's for sure. Um, uh, Debbie, let me also get you to weigh in on this Dominion lawsuit against uh, against Fox News uh, that has gotten a lot of attention. I know you used to go on Fox quite a bit. I I, I don't watch a lot of cable news, so I don't know if you still go on there much and uh, at, at all these days, but. Uh, just from a legal perspective, uh, tell me how you think this is going down. I mean, it looks like, which is pretty rare for a plaintiff, that uh, there's some lawyers that think they could actually win a, a, a motion for summary judgment, and Fox might be out over a billion dollars here. How do you see this, Debbie? Well, you know, I haven't been on Fox News in years. I was blackballed by Sean Hannity, and I'm not surprised at all with all the news that has come out that Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, Lori Ingram, that they knew that the election was not stolen and that they just lied to their viewers and basically treated them like idiots. Um, and I think that that is very, very bad for Fox News with, uh, in this case, especially I, their viewers don't seem to mind having been lied to. I don't think I think most of the uproar is really among liberals in the mainstream media. Um, but I mean, they basically treated them like, oh, you know, you're troglodytes, you're idiots. And, and you know, we're going to treat you that way. And people keep watching and saying, oh, give me more, give me more. Um, it's supposed to be a legitimate journalism outlet and a legitimate journalism journalistic outlet would tell the truth no matter what the truth is and even if it's bad it's against what the viewers want to hear but instead they fed the story that a lot of people believe for for many many months listen when trump uh, lost the election at first you know i thought to myself well let's give him a chance let's see the lawsuit maybe there is something there um and you know, I thought maybe there possibly could be something there. But after 60-something lawsuits with many, you know, several with judges that Trump appointed, and you don't show really any concrete evidence, that should be that. And you move on and focus on the next election so you can win instead of wallowing in defeat. And and I think Fox fed the opposite. And I I think in the case of Dominion, um, you know, a lot of the lies were about Dominion, and uh, Dominion can make its case. I've never seen something like this where they had such great evidence that the people that they're accusing of defamation deliberately lied and mm. openly said so in text messages. I mean, that's really stupid. So I think they've got a very good case. I would not be surprised. You know, it's very hard to win a motion for summary judgment, but it's done. And it's that done with such a frequency. And I think in this case, they've got solid evidence that this media outlet deliberately lied. Now, that's not to say that CNN and MSNBC and all the mainstream news media outlets lie, too. But I have to say Fox News 
doesn't allow it. I'm a conservative, and I, you know, but I want to hear the truth, not lie. Right. Well, I think everybody I think. should want to hear uh, the truth. And, um, you know, it's funny. I made a, a joke, um, you know, because Hannity made clear when he was sworn under oath that he didn't believe any of the election 2020 lies, that the election was stolen or anything like that. And I said, if only they could get um, Sean Hannity to go under oath before he did his radio show each day, I think we'd all be much better off. And I meant it kind of as a joke, but then I, I got all sorts of angry emails and stuff, people like that. And I thought about responding to it because, you know, I'm not a big Hannity fan, but then I, I, I know having, you know, worked with him when he was here, how how, you know, vindictive Hannity can be and how, you know, how this Nixonian paranoia that he has, you know, without necessarily getting into the details of your history with him. I'm wondering if you can speak to Hannity's level of either paranoia or vindictiveness to people that still see some sort of a halo over his head. Absolutely. I mean, well, I, I'm a victim of it, even without going into the specifics. He had me blackballed. Um, and he used to call me late at night, and one time he yelled and screamed at me because I wouldn't do something he wanted that I did not want to do that was unethical and not my lifestyle and not the lifestyle he preached on TV constantly. Um, and I could tell you one time when I was on his show when he used to be on your radio station, he um, said to me, don't mention Bill O'Reilly on my show. At that time, he and Bill O'Reilly right, they were, were the rivals at the time. Host. Yeah, Yeah, and he said, Whatever you do, don't mention Bill O'Reilly. And I had never mentioned Bill O'Reilly to him. And he said, you cannot mention him, his name on my show. You know, if, you, if you're confident of your popularity and your knowledge and your ability as a show host and an entertainer, why would you care? I mean, he was so insecure. It's amazing to me. Um, I remember one time I... Uh, dyed my hair red. I want to see what it looked like. And I happened to come to New York. And I was on his show. And he started yelling and screaming at me that I was not a blonde anymore. I mean, it's not, I don't, I don't, not, I'm not this guy's wife or something. I'm just a person that knew him and I was on his show. I, he was just not a nice person. And he, the other thing is, all these people that have a halo around him, I don't understand it because remember when Barack Obama was first elected? Um, he all of a sudden went on his show and said, you know what? We now have to have comprehensive immigration reform. We have to let these people in. We have to give them citizenship. We have to do this. We have to do that. Well, you know, if you really believe in secure borders, all of a sudden, because of one election, you're going to change your views 180, 180 degrees. But that's because he doesn't believe in anything that's but right. Hannity. Yeah, I, again, and a lot of these hosts are like that. I, 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 I mean, I, I, again, I'm hesitant to even mention him uh, negatively because I know how he gets, and he'll <laughs> not only, um, you know, he'll make uh, any anybody on his staff that's still fr- friends with me on Facebook, he'll make them delete me uh, from Facebook and have them watch everything I'm doing, call my boss and complain because that's the kind of person he is. But um, I, I, you know, and look, I'm not uh, knocking. 
anybody that's that successful. You can't uh, get uh, to the level he has in both radio and television without a fair amount of uh, of hard work. But it's just so funny to me how the uh, the image that some people have of him that nobody that's ever interacted with him would ever have that uh, that sort of image. All right, um, there's a lot of movies uh, that are out that I want to get your take on. But first, uh, we are. I don't know that we're going to get a chance to speak before the Academy Awards. Let me just ask your take on the uh, Best Picture category. You got Top Gun nominated. You got something called Women Talking, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, The Triangle of Sadness, The Fablemans, All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, Elvis, and Tar. Uh, Out of all those, Debbie, at least the ones that you've seen, what did you like the most? What do you think should win? And what do you think will win? I got to be honest, I really didn't like most, if not all of them. Um, the Fablemans, I think uh, people worship Steven Spielberg, even though it was a really horrible, long, slow, boring movie. And I think a lot of people are going to vote for that just because they're friends with Steven Spielberg. They all want to work with him, this and that. It also might be everything, everywhere, all at once, because it's kind of like the it girl flavor of the year. Um, and it's Asians and that's the, you, uh, you didn't like it. You, um, I have to be honest. That's the one movie out of them that I did not see. And the reason oh. I didn't see it was the screening was on a Jewish holiday. and uh, I just gave up. I got so busy. Sure. So I haven't seen it. I might like it. I don't know. But I, um, the Fablements I hated, um, Top Gun will never get it because it was a popular movie. It's seen as like, uh, Republican conservative movie really is not actually, but it's seen that way by the Hollywood people and it's commercial and it's popular with the masses. And, you know, they have to be different and woke and show that they know better than everyone else. So they'll never pick that. Um, And it's not, they want one of the, they've moved away from the American people in terms of what they think should be the top. So I really think it's going to be like everything everywhere all at once, or it could be the Banshees, Venice Sharon, which I absolutely hated. The movie is just one guy hates the other guy. They don't get. They used to be friends. They don't get along. So the one guy cuts off all his figures and, kill, and burns out his house and tries to kill himself. And you know, I mean, it's like, yeah, great movie. Yeah, that's what I would want to see. Yeah, it, my I wife wanted, and I watched you know. it, and it, it is. It's far from an upbeat film. So if you had to pick one that you enjoyed the most out of the ones that I uh, just listed, uh, Elvis, Tar, Avatar, All Quiet on the Western Front, Fablemans, Triangle of Sadness, Banshees of Inna Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Women Talking, or Top Gun, you're the one that you disliked the least. What would it be? Well, so and I didn't even like it, but it, I disliked the least Top Gun. So that's what I would vote okay. for. But the, you know what? I always, the things I vote for, none of these liberal movie critics like. In fact, the movie critic group that I used to be in that kicked me out for being Jewish and also for being conservative. They kicked us uh, all of those people with that description out, and there were three of us. Um, they used to always vote for these far left, woke, horrible, obscure movies that nobody wanted to see and whatever. And I feel like the Academy Awards, it's almost an extension of that these days. One other thing I would say is it's possible that the movie Tart could win because it's like over three and a half hours long. It's a total bore. And it's about this lesbian (laughs) conductor woman who, uh, you know, like who then gets canceled only because of one 
things she said that was politically incorrect. So I'm kind of surprised they might like that, but they do because it's like very artsy fartsy and boring and ridiculous. And, and um, one last thing is that there are a few other movies like that. And this women talking thing is like so ridiculously obscure. It's about some women in 1800s and some Mormon community in somewhere in South America. It is like so particularly ridiculous and that they're all being raped and abused, sexually abused, and they suddenly speak out, women talking. Like, who wants to see that? It's boring. Nobody cares. Yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, that but I can't say I'm going to bump it to the top of my list with that uh, with that <laughs> recommendation. We're talking with Debbie Schlussel. Uh, if you want to uh, see more from her, you can go to uh, her website, DebbieSchlussel.com, or uh, DebbieDoesPolitics.com will, uh, will get you there as well. You can also follow can her. I, go ahead. Can I just mention one other thing? Please. Thank you yeah. for that. Um, so... A lot of people are saying, oh, you know, it was kind of racist of the Academy Awards that they did not vote for the woman that was the main, the lead actress and really the lead character in the movie, Till. And I have to say, I happen to agree. You would be surprised to hear that from me because I'm not politically correct. Wait, in which film, Till? The movie Till. Mm -hmm. I thought that movie was, I actually was surprised. I thought it was very well done. I thought it was very moving and touching. It's a true story that a lot of people did don't know um, about this guy, Emmett Till, who as a teenager was sent down south to visit his cousins. His mother was worried. And then he sees this white woman at this drugstore where they got ice cream or sodas, whatever. And he tells her that she's good looking and whistles at her. And he is um, so brutally uh, tortured and murdered by the relatives of this woman that his body is unrecognizable and his mother, this is a real life story. His mother, they're from Chicago. She decides that she wants an open casket, even though everyone tells her not to, because it's so horrifying and she wants everybody to see that this is what's going on in America and which did go on in America in those days. I mean, it was a lynching. And it's a true story. It's a very effective movie. It's very well done. And I thought the woman that played the mother, uh, this woman, Deadweiler, I think it's... Yeah, Danielle Danielle Deadweiler. Danielle, that's it. She was so good. I couldn't believe it. I thought she was so effective. I looked her up, and she was an actress in a a series I saw on Netflix. And I couldn't even believe it was the same person because... She is such a great actress. She really morphed into such diverse characters. And I thought she did such a great job in this movie. I thought she should have been hands down the winner of Best Actress this year in all the award shows. And she got shut out. And to me, that showed that as woke as Hollywood tries to to preach to the rest of us, they really aren't as woke themselves, which is not really a secret because we see how they live in their mansions and their gated communities with their armed security and bodyguards, but they don't want us to have any of that. Well, this is a, uh, a banner moment, folks. You have uh, Debbie Schlussel, longtime opponent of political correctness, avowed conservative, saying that the reason Till was shut out of the Academy Awards, including the very controversial snub of Daniel Deadweiler, was due to racism. I don't know, uh, Debbie, maybe this is your audition to take over for Corinne Jean-Pierre when she moves on to... <laughs> 
greener you pastures. Know, I, I, it's not a first for me that I've said that Hollywood is racist. I do think they are. I think, and even, by the way, um, Camille uh, Nanjiani, he said basically that Hollywood is racist because he said that they will not cast people of color anymore as villains, and he really wants to play villains, and they won't cast him because he has darker skin. They only want to cast white people now as villains. They uh, are the racist. Uh, Debbie, I want to speed through a few movies yes. that people may have been hearing about and may be tempted to check out. How about Creed Three? I didn't. I didn't even see Creed Two, but I did like the first Creed. I'm a big fan of Rocky and Sylvester Stallone. Creed Three is it worth seeing? Yes, I really liked it. It's it's basically Black Rocky Three, and just like I thought Creed was Black Rocky. I thought it was good. The story is very unlikely and a little hard to believe, but it's, you know, what you want to see in a good boxing movie. I thought it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. it I wasn't bored. And, um, it, you know, it, it, it's like I said, if you like boxing or a good sports movie or a good, uh, you know, the underdog, good guy wins, that's always, I love that kind of movie. So it was, it was good for me. The um, another movie that's got a lot and gotten a lot of attention and is being described as a surprise hit uh, in some quarters is a film called Cocaine Bear. What's your take on this? I hated this movie. Uh, Elizabeth Banks created and directed this movie, and she's terrible. This is supposed to be a dark comedy. It wasn't funny. Um, it was just gross, and it relied on body dismemberment for humor. It's Ray Liotta's last movie. You know, I liked Ray Liotta, but I, I think his forte was not this kind of movie. Um, I would skip this movie. I didn't find it particularly entertaining. By the way, back to the Creed three movie, I love Michael B. Jordan. I think he's a very good actor, and he directed that movie. So anyway. That's uh, what I think. And how about uh, this is a film that did very well box office wise. A lot of critics didn't seem to like it. Now it's sort of leveled off. Ant-Man and the Wasp. What about that? Yeah, I like this a lot better mm. than the mainstream movie critics. I thought it was of the I like Ant-Man. I like Paul Rudd. I of the Ant-Man movies. I liked the first one a lot and I liked this one almost as much. Um it was entertaining. It was funny. I could follow it, unlike a lot of the superhero movies these days, which have a ton of special effects, but you can't, you don't understand what's going on. It's confusing. This one, I could understand the visuals of this movie are stunning the entire time. They probably spent more in special effects than most of these movies. It, it just was amazing. In that regard, I enjoyed it. There's a uh, a romantic drama, I think a French film called One Fine, one fine Morning. W- what did you think of this one? I hated it. It's basically this French single mother has an affair with a married man. Her a father is dying of dementia at the end, which <laughs> I don't need to see that. I mean, why do I need to sit through two hours for that? Um, uh, fallen Son, uh, what is Fallen, uh, or, or is it Luther, Fallen Son? What is this Luther about? Luther, the Fallen Son. So this is Idris Elba's um, audition to become the new James Bond, essentially. Uh-huh. Um, I thought the movie was very entertaining. It's a thriller. Um, the killer is kind of unlikely and, and trumped up. They speak some kind of Slavic language and not like the whole anti-Russian, Eastern European thing. But I, it's about the serial killer. Luther's trying to solve this, find, help find out who the guy is, but he's in prison. 
Um, this is a British TV series about this police detective that Idris Elba plays Luther. So Netflix made a movie about it. It's in theaters now. It's coming to Netflix um, a week from today. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, you know, a good popcorn thriller. It's not the greatest of thrillers, but I wasn't bored at all. And um, it was fine. Lastly, um, we've been talking with Debbie Schlossel. Uh, you can check her out, DebbieDoesPolitics.com. I have Apple TV. There's a movie out on Apple TV called Sharper. Uh, what's I know Julianne Moore is in it, who I do like a lot as an actress. What's this picture about? Is it worth seeing? I really like this. This is a mystery thriller movie. I don't really want to say much of what it's about because right. it will give it away. But um, I guess like maybe the first twist, but there are so many twists in this that you won't guess. It's very well done. It's very tightly done. Wow, these people are stone-cold cruel. Uh, I really enjoyed it, though. It was well done. All right, so uh, your list of movies to check out, uh, Creed Three, The New Ant-Man, and Sharper, which is on Apple TV. Uh, movies to stay away from include uh, Cocaine Bear and uh, pretty much, you know, everything else, including, you know, including uh, Luther, the, fall, the Fallen Son. No, I, you know what? I, I, it was not bad. It was okay. entertaining enough. It's just not the greatest of the th- detective thrillers I've seen, but it wasn't bad. And by okay. the way, it's beautifully shot. All right. So the big three, though, still Ant-Man, Sharper and Creed three. Right. OK. In the opposite order. Um, one other thing is I want to put quick plugs in on Netflix for two series. One is and they're short. They're not really serious. They're just like a two and a half hour, three hour movie. One is fear. And these are from 2020 and 2021. Fear City, New York City versus the mob. I love that. It was very well done about how New York defeated the... the um, yeah, the my uh, my colleagues uh, Rudy Giuliani and Curtis Lee were in that. That's right. I very much enjoyed that. And then I also liked, um, if you like mob thrillers, and this one involves a big heist that's a mystery, um, I enjoyed This is a Robbery. Um, I think it's called The Biggest Art Heist is the subtitle in history, but it, it's really um, very interesting uh, and a mystery. I loved it. I, I have to run, uh, Debbie. What, what are you doing this weekend? Are you doing anything fun? Um, I'm preparing my my uh, food baskets for Purim and preparing for a trial that I have Monday and Tuesday. So with a funny story, but we wouldn't want to say it over the air. <laughs> okay, good. Tell, tell me about email. it. Tell me about it privately. Yeah, as long as you don't confuse your Purim folder with your trial folder, then you end up like George Costanza delivering an Ovaltine routine instead of a risk management routine. We can, that would be uh-huh. be quite embarrassing. Debbie, it's always I a treat to, to give everyone a human fund certificate <laughs> instead, right? Debbie, come to New York and visit sometime soon. We'll have you in studio. It'll be a blast to catch up with you, okay? I would love to. Have a great weekend in Happy Purim, everybody. Thank you. Happy Purim to everybody that is celebrating. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on any portion of my interview with Debbie Schlussel, straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano.
I love this. This is Vegas by Doja Cat. This is from the Elvis movie. This, I believe, is nominated for an Academy Award. I'm hoping we can watch this Elvis movie this weekend. I know Debbie wasn't crazy about it, but uh, I'm looking forward to checking it out. Maybe tonight. I don't think we have any plans tonight, but uh, we probably do. I, 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 my schedule is hour by hour here. So um, if not tonight, maybe tomorrow after uh, dinner with Andrea. All right. Um, you want to comment on anything we're doing? 800-848-9222. No more guests, so there's plenty of time for you and I to chat if there's anything that has piqued your interest uh, throughout the three hours of this program. You know, it's funny. I brought in egg salad earlier in the week, and um, it was already a few days old by the time I brought it in. It was very good, though. I had some when I when I brought it in, and I had some before I brought it in. And yesterday... See, in the refrigerator here at work, nobody throws anything out. So there's a stench that smells a little bit like spoiled milk. Even though there's signs everywhere that say, label your stuff, date it, it's going to be thrown out. The warnings are on point, but nothing's thrown out. So there's a stench when you open the refrigerator. It smells like spoiled milk. So yesterday when Obi Murray was here, I opened the egg salad and I said, you got to try this. And he was excited because he heard me talk about it. So oh, I want to try it. But then I, I said, let me make sure it smells good. Let me smell this. And then I, I couldn't tell if it was no good anymore or if I was still smelling the refrigerator. I said, here, Obi, smell this. See, see if it's good. And he said, no, 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 no. If you're not sure if it's good, uh, I'm not going to take a chance, he says. So he didn't end up trying. He says, yeah, I would have tried it, but I can't take a chance. So I hate to do it. We have half of this container left, but I- I'm left with either throwing it away or hoping Curtis will eat it in his 20 hours that he's on the radio this weekend. We'll see where, where that goes. All right, uh, your calls in a moment, 800-848-9222. Your phones count. Be sure to use it. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. It is a tale of two cities. It is a tale of two mayors. It is a tale of two approaches to being mayor. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight. It's Friday, baby. We made it. How exciting is that? Hopefully you're doing something fun this weekend. I will be doing what I do every weekend, which is running around. <laughs> so, uh, But you know what? Honestly, that's pretty fun for me. Uh, as well. Mayor Eric Adams is still, he's the mayor of New York City for anybody that lives elsewhere or on Mars. He is still getting a lot of heat for his speech this week, uh, taking aim at, uh, at the separation of church and state. He has been, he was front page excoriated of the New York Daily News this week. I was watching um, one of the local cable news channels here the other day on New York One, and everybody 
was taking him to task for this and they were saying it's a political calculation. This is not what people wanted to hear. Uh, A a lot of the criticisms uh, took aim not just at his policies and his criticism of the separation of church and state situation. But uh, I know Harry Siegel, who writes for the Daily News and writes for the city, he was specifically irked about the fact that uh, Eric Adams seemed to once again, and he's done this before, he seemed to once again compare himself to Jesus. Now, I wouldn't dispute that Eric Adams is, Eric Adams is, and I don't care whether you love the guy, whether you can't stand the guy, I don't think anybody would say that Eric Adams is lacking in self-confidence, okay? The guy has a major ego, right? He hasn't gone the John Lennon route and said that he's bigger than Jesus, not yet. But I'll be honest. For all the people that you can compare yourself to, I don't think Jesus is the worst person. And you know what? I, I think Jesus is in in short in all of us to some extent. And if you really do view yourself, if you I guess they call it a Messiah complex, if you really do view yourself as similar to Jesus in being uh for all the reasons that Eric Adams has said previously then maybe you'll live the lessons of Jesus, right? Uh, uh, Loving your enemies, treating the least of people the way that you uh, would treat Jesus. I I really, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. It's funny, and I don't want to get into too much sharing of a private conversation, but when Ernie Anastas was here uh, the other day, Dominic Carter and I were talking to him off air, and I... You know, Dominic's asking him about about certain things. I'm asking him about certain things. And really one of the things I asked him was how he manages to stay so positive and so humble. Dominic was asking him about how he manages to deal with hordes of fans wherever he goes. And essentially what Ernie said is he sees a little bit of Jesus in everybody. And again, I don't think he wanted me to repeat this on air, but... Hopefully he's not listening. But um, he said that there's a a little bit of God in everyone, and he treats everybody as if they have a little bit of a divine element to them. I don't – I'm not that upset with what Eric Adams said on this one. Now, one of the things that he did say on Tuesday was aimed at a particular place. This is what the mayor of New York City said. I strongly believe in all my heart, God said, I'm going to take the most broken person and I'm going to elevate him to the place of being the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe. He could have made me the mayor of Topeka, Kansas. He could have made me the mayor of some small town or village somewhere. He stated that I'm going to take this broken child, this individual who is the epitome of the mistakes a human being can make in a lifetime. And I'm going to elevate him to the most important city in the country. I think that is wonderful. I mean, being mayor of New York City is an incredible opportunity that very few people ever have. There's only four people alive on the entire planet that know what that's like to be mayor of New York City. And to think that God had a role in placing you there, I think that's a wonderful thing. 
Uh, I had no problem with what he said at all. I'll tell you who did. The, the mayor of Topeka, Kansas, Mike Padilla, the mayor of Topeka, uh, was not at all impressed with the comments that, uh, that you just heard. A day after Adams made his comments, Michael Padilla, the mayor of Topeka, a city of a, with a population of 126,587, returned the New York Times request for a response characterizing Adams' comments as, quote, concerning and unprofessional. He could make his points without trying to diminish our great city, and I wish he would. As Topeka's mayor and as a lifelong member of this community, I am so proud of who we are and what we stand for. Now, I understand where Mayor Padilla is coming from. He's standing up for his city. He doesn't want to be belittled. He doesn't want to be the short end of any comparison. But come on, the mayor, uh, Eric Adams, wasn't taking a shot at Topeka. He was talking about how blessed he is to be mayor of New York City. It could have been it could have been Sheboygan. It could have been Wichita. And the analogy would have been exactly the same. I think he picked Topeka because it's a name that people realize. They realize it's in the Midwest. They realize it has a small population. It was not personal. I think if I were the mayor of Topeka, I I would have said, I would have said, well, I think the only reason Mayor Adams doesn't realize what a blessing it is to be mayor of Topeka, Kansas, is because he's never been here. If he ever wants to take me up on it, I'll be happy to show him on a tour uh, uh, of our fine city and why it's one of the gems that everybody that lives here is blessed to be a part of. Now, that's what I would have said. It's still a positive spin on your city, and you give the guy a little bit of a gentle jab, but to go over the top like this, unprofessional and this and that, I mean, it's a little a little much. Um, a spokesman for the mayor of New York, Fabian Levy, said on Wednesday night that the mayor had not intended to insult Topeka and had not done so. All he stated was that he was mayor of the greatest city in the world. That remains true, but Topeka is a great place that the mayor hopes to visit one day. Okay. Now, the problem is, this is not the first time that Eric Adams has taken a shot at Kansas. During a September news briefing about recent visits to Puerto Rico... And the Dominican Republic, Adams argued that one of New York's virtues was that it has a brand name, unlike Kansas. He said, quote, Kansas doesn't have a brand. When you go there, okay, you're from Kansas. No, ah, well, you know what? But New York has a brand. It has a brand, and that brand means diversity. That brand means we care. That brand means we are compassionate. So this is the second time, at least that Mayor Eric Adams has taken a shot at the Sunflower State. Governor Laura Kelly of Kansas, perhaps not aware that Adams professes to follow a plant-based diet, even had some of her family members personally deliver a gift basket containing Kansas steak to Gracie Mansion. So, um, I'd love to know your opinion on this. Whether you love Eric Adams or not, Do you think he was taking a cheap shot at Topeka? Do you think the mayor of Topeka is overreacting? What do you think?
and if if you love Eric Adams, you know, pretend you don't like him. If you lo- if you don't like Eric Adams, pretend you love him. I don't want you to comment on whether or not Eric Adams is doing a good job or a poor job. I want you to comment on this specific episode. And for some reason, when you involve political personalities, whether it's Donald Trump, Eric Adams, or whomever, all of a sudden you can't be intellectually honest in terms of the treatment of an, of an issue. I don't think this is a uh, a big deal at all. 800-848-9222. I'll tell you what I really liked. I, I, I told you the other day, I don't pay much attention to uh, spring training games. I think it would be fun to go to the games, right, in Port St. Lucie for the Mets or, wh- wh- or wherever the your favorite baseball team trains. But, um, you know, I, I don't – if it's on TV, I'll put it on, but I, I don't go out of my way to watch these spring training baseball games. But I found this really interesting. The Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles – found themselves in an odd position during a spring training contest on Tuesday. Pittsburgh was winning 7-4 after the top of the ninth inning. The game's umpires left for the day. They were done, left for the day. Spring training doesn't count, no big deal. However, Orioles manager Brandon Hyde asked to keep the game going just to get some more work in for his guys. So the two teams agreed to just go out there and play ball. No umpires. Giving Major League fans in attendance sort of a Sandlot-style afternoon at the ballpark. Professional sports just don't ever happen without officiating, which made Tuesday's game, even though it was an exhibition game, all that much more special for those in attendance and those watching at home. I thought that was great that they did this, that they went forward and had a, um, you know, they had this game. Because now that baseball is in this era of pitch clock and no def- and no defensive alignment and uh, you, a, a clock before you can step into the batter's box, otherwise you get a strike called on you. This was your type of game. None of that. Just two guy, two teams playing baseball. Uh, I love it. Sandlot baseball, no score, no stats, no music, just baseball. You know, I, I love baseball. I love playing it still to this day. Um, and I hope my son is into baseball. I'd love to coach his little league team or just work with him privately on uh, on his baseball prowess. But one of the things that I really regret, quite frankly, over the last 15, 20 years, maybe more, I, I actually definitely more, over the last 30 years, um, there's a lot of kids that get involved in organized sports. A lot of kids play Little League. A lot of kids play Pop Warner football. A lot of kids play soccer in a league or whatever the case may be. And I think that's all great. I think there's a lot to learn from that. I think it's fun. I think it builds uh, it, it builds a lot of great skills even beyond the ones that have to do with the sport itself with respect to team building and everything like that. But one thing that children have gotten away from, and I think it's because parents are so often afraid to allow their children uh, to go out and do unsupervised play. One of the things that I do feel that children have gotten away from is 
unorganized sports where you just go to your local sandlot field and you have a pickup game with, um, you know, with whoever's around, be it basketball, uh, baseball, soccer, whatever. And I really think that uh, unorganized sports is so important for children. When I say unorganized, I mean sports without an adult. No coach, no umpires. You just go to the playground. You just go to the schoolyard and you play with other kids. And I think the skills that children learn in just interacting with their peers, I I don't think that can be replicated in anything else. Look, I think there's a lot to be learned from a coach, both about how to play the game, whatever the game is, and about uh, sportsmanship or uh, any number of other things. But there's a lot to be said for the skills you learn when you're getting when when you're running up the score or when uh, you get picked last for a team or when the other team is heckling you. Hurry up, batter. It's going to be a short game and I got to get home for lunch. (laughs) That's one. You know, if my dog was as ugly as you, I'd shave his butt. Tell him to walk backwards. The heater. Here it comes. I dare you. Strike three, hero. That, of course, was from the movie Sandlot. And one of the great things about that film, it's a wonderful, wonderful picture, but one of the great things about that film is that there's no adults telling the children where to play or organizing their event. You know, they are organizing their games against the other team. They meet up with another team and they play. And I think that's great. And in a world where mobile phones, video game systems, limitless television, and the Internet take up so much of a child's time, I don't think there's anything more satisfying for a parent than to see your child outside in the fresh air, getting some exercise, enjoying some sports. But I think uh, while there's a lot to be said for organized sports, unorganized sports, are so important. The kind of games children play at a local park or with friends or with the other kids in the neighborhood, um, you know, maybe it's stickball, maybe it's kickball, maybe it's punchball, whatever the case may be. And I don't think we see enough of that these days. And uh, it's one of the things that, um, you know, I'd love to see society bring back. Give me your thoughts on that if you like, 800-848-9222, or anything else we've covered over the course of the last three and a half hours, 800-848-9222. 9222. Let me say hello to Gillen on Long Island. Hello, Gillen. Hi. Hi. How are you? Um, I'm uh, well. Please forgive, well. Please, please forgive me. Your first name is Frank? When last seen, yes. Uh, Frank, um, I think you hit something on the head. Um, when I, I lived for playing outside and being with my friends to go to the, the neighborhood park, I, uh, you know, I grew up in Syosset. It was Bertrand Park Drive. We played the baseball there. We had we played hoops. We played hockey. Um, that's what I lived for. I, I just, uh, after school, I just wanted to be with my friends. Uh, there was nothing organized about it, but there was wanting to be involved and wanting to be competitive. Um, I, I, I wholeheartedly, hundred percent, think you're onto something. I think. I don't think that's really going on in society. Everything seems organized and planned. Yeah. No, I, I'm telling you, in my experience, that is 
absolutely uh, the case. And uh, that was a positive experience for you, or, you know, from what you're saying, right? hundred percent. That's what I live for. And I kind of live for that today. It's the nostalgia. You know, I want to reconnect with my friends. I'm going to be 56 this year. And all uh, my fondest memories is discussing back when we were in high school, discussing, you know, remember when we did this, remember when we did that. Um, and can I ask what position you played? I played uh, mostly first base and then uh, a little bit of third base. A little catcher, um, too, you, but mostly first and third. You, are you le- I was a pitcher. I was lefty, so I did first base and pitched. No, I was uh, I was a righty, and that uh, that was limiting to some extent. Yeah. And do you play currently? Because I I would love to get back into it. Do you, are you playing currently? Uh, you know, an occasional uh, softball game that I'll that I'll organize, but I'm not in a in a league or anything right now. All right, that's wonderful. Um, that's great. And um, and I just put it, got in on the tail, Adams with. Tail Adams, the tail end of uh, Eric Adams, and I guess there's some comments about Topeka, Kansas. I think it's just him just talking off the cuff. I don't think he had any malintent. To, yeah, to I, again, and you know, I didn't vote for Eric Adams, and uh, you know, I probably won't vote for him again. But um, I, I don't think he meant anything by it. I, I think people. I think this is yet another situation, and I understand where the mayor of Topeka is coming from. He's trying to stick up for a city and defend a city. I, I think uh, this is yet another case where. The whole world lives to be offended by something, and he couldn't, you know, the the mayor of Topeka could have rolled with the punches and made a joke and just, you know, did not take it so seriously. But, you know, he really, I think he took it way too seriously. Yeah. Um, can I ask what else has been on the show tonight? Um, what are some of the other things? I mean, Dylan, I, I would uh, I, I would repeat everything, but I feel like it might be a little monotonous for everybody that's heard all three and a right, half hours. Right. But listen to the podcast I, after the show. We'll upload the podcast. Listen to the podcast. All right. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much. You're doing a great job. Thanks, Gillen. Spread the word, please. Yeah, if you miss any of the show... Um, you can, you know, just go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com, look for The Other Side of Midnight, or just search The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano on any podcast app and hit the subscribe button. And it will be, you know, downloaded to your phone each and every day. So you won't have to rely on me if you're Norman, uh, who called yesterday wanting a repeat of everything that I said on Monday, or Gillen, who called just now. You won't have to rely on my good nature to repeat everything that I that I've already said, um, as much as I'd love to, I'd love another three and a half hours just to do it all over again, make all my mistakes again, right? But um, you can just go to the podcast and uh, you can listen to the whole thing. Uh, Kenneth puts a lot of effort into that podcast and gets some very high marks uh, for his uh, podcast, as does Alex uh, from some tough critics as well. By the way, uh, somebody called earlier. Seeking that information about a promo that's played for Rudy Giuliani, and I said, and we said that it was Oprah. We have put the clip of Oprah saying that from C-SPAN uh, of Oprah calling Rudy Giuliani America's mayor. That's in the Facebook group. So if you want to see Oprah say it, just go to Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/radio/morano. That's Facebook.com/slash/groups/slash/radio/morano. Joe is in Ron Konkama. Hello, Joe. Hey, Frank. Uh, first off, I want to wish you a great weekend. Thank you. You too. 
um, which you're talking about right now, but the kids, it, it's a shame you don't see them outside uh, playing soccer or I used to like playing hockey and baseball. And these kids don't do it. I, I take my son, uh, there's a local library that's got a, a hockey uh, rink, and me and him go there and we play. But you don't see the kids do it anymore. It's, it's such a sad state of affairs. Yeah, and why do you think that is, Joe? Frank, these video games. Mm. I, You know, when I was a kid, I had Atari. I might have picked it up two or three times, and that was it. It sat in the kitchen. It was, you know, these kids, it's these phones and the video games. It's so sad. It really is. And that's why this uh, obesity is running wild with the younger kids and they don't communicate, and I, a, lot, a lot of kids with the depression. And I just think it's sad. I think parents should take their phones, take their video consoles away, and just demand them to go outside and play. Have a great weekend, Frank. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. 800-848-9222. Melvin is in the Bronx. Hello, Melvin. Uh, greetings. As far as the mayor is, uh, is concerned, he doesn't inherit a uh, situation that I've been in a uh, flirtation for the past several decades. All if you do is what he says is correct. It's, all you're talking about is integrity. It goes right down to credibility. Because you've got a whole lot of people out here who lack morality at all. All they want to do is capitalize on those who came for because they didn't have to fight, as my father did in World War II before the Second War, 9981, was issued. Saying that in the fact where I salute Mayor as what he's doing right there, and people need to go back and research and decide themselves and do their homework about integrity to go to the homework of credibility. Outside that, this mess is going to be repeated over and over again because it's a sinking ship. It's all about integrity. A whole lot of people lack that. All right, Melvin, thank you. Hey, you want to win $1,000? Be the seventh caller right now to 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. If you are the seventh caller to that uh, that number, we will give you an opportunity to answer 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds. If you can answer those 10 trivia questions in 60 seconds, you will be $1,000 richer. Simple as that. We'll do the $1,000 minute straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. Hey Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart, then you can start. To make it better Hey Jude Don't be afraid You were made to Go out and get her 
John Lennon singing Hey Jude. Uh, All right. We're going to give you an opportunity to call in if you want to discuss anything that we have discussed thus far before we wrap up the the week of shows. A few other things that I'll get off my chest. But first, we're going to see if we can make someone a little wealthier with... The Other Side of Midnight presents... It's the Thousand Dollar Minute. Answer 10 questions correctly in one minute, and you could win $1,000. Here's your host, Frank Murano. All right. Thank you, Chris Libertini. Eddie is in Tom's River. Hey there, Eddie. Frank, good morning. How are you? I'm great, Eddie. Uh, Have you heard this segment before? Uh, You know what, Frank? Uh, It's a little bit too early for me. I got uh, it. Hey, why are you up so early anyway? Well, to be honest with you, I uh, taken a friend of mine that happens to be a priest up to Connecticut because a, uh, a relative of his is uh, not in good shape. Oh, and I'm sorry. Wants to, hear to that. pay him a visit, so you got to do the right thing. All right, right well, know? good. Hopefully, uh, well, I'm sorry he's going through a tough time, but uh, hopefully, we're providing you some uh, entertainment on the way up there. Okay. Um, you got it, uh, so the way this contest works is pretty simple. Um, I'm going to ask you 10 trivia questions. Most of them are pretty easy. Uh, and if a question sounds easy, it is easy. If I ask you how many seconds are in, in a minute, it's 60. There's not a trick question, you know, or anything like that. What color is George Washington's white horse? It's white. Um, so if it sounds like an easy answer, give the easy answer. Uh, you're going to have 60 seconds one, after I ask the first question. If you get a question right, we're just going to move on to the next question. I'm not going to say, oh, that was great. Congratulations. Let's move on. We're just going to move on. You get a question wrong, you're going to hear uh, a buzzer that indicates that it's wrong. And if you win, uh, you get all 10 right in 60 seconds, you'll win $1,000. We've had a few winners uh, so far, but it is tougher than it sounds. Uh, You ready to go, Eddie? You got it, Frank. Okay. How much money is is an American dime worth? How much money is an American dime? Uh, 10 cents. Name a book written by Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is, uh, um, Dr. Seuss is, uh, Dr. Seuss in, in the, uh, Dr. It's past. Well, I know, but you, you have to answer it, otherwise we, you can't win the money. Dr. Seuss, Jesus Christ, and then, uh... I'm drawing a blank here. There's one about a feline that's very popular. One about a green guy that's very popular. Dr. Seuss, uh, the Grinch. There you go. We'll take it. Okay. Um, uh, who is the King of England? King of England. Uh, King of England is Prince uh, Prince 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 Henry now. No, Prince. I'm sorry. No, the King of England is um, is King Charles. King Charles. King Charles. Right, right. Eddie, I'm sorry you didn't win. Uh, Frank, I know you. Hey, that's all right. Hey, um, I want to put you on hold. Uh, Ken is going to send you a consolation prize of some sort. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. All right. Hang on. I hope you all like. Right, uh, right. I hope you like refrigerator magnets. Uh, take Eddie's information. I was really rooting for Eddie. I, I figured, um, you know, I figured maybe he'd have some some religiosity on his side because he's traveling with a uh, with a priest but uh was not to be it was not to be you know what it is also if you're not used to being up this early 
a lot of times you're not going to do well, right? You know, because your brain is just not firing on all cylinders. That happens to me. Sometimes when I have to do something in the middle of the day, which is usually a time that I'm asleep, I, I don't know. I don't know my own name, let alone uh, King Charles's name. So, uh, fortunately for uh, Eddie, he didn't win, but he will be the proud recipient of a refrigerator magnet. How do you like that one? All right, um, 800-848-9222 If you want to comment on anything that I was uh, that I was saying, uh, so what did I say? I said, uh, "Hey Jude" was was the Beatles, but I guess I said it was John Lennon, not uh, not Paul McCartney, uh, and it was Paul McCartney who sang it, not uh, not John Lennon. Sorry, I didn't realize that I said that. Goes to show, even I, who'm used to being awake at this time, uh, even I don't know what's going on. Thank you to the eight people that just emailed me. Uh, with uh, with that, appreciate it. Now everybody can move on with their lives. Hey, you know what feature is really neat? Uh, and I didn't know that I had this until yesterday. I use a Google Pixel, and I was watching the Super Bowl, and they had the commercial for the new Google Pixel camera, and you can erase people from photos, and it's it's really kind of cool. So. I have a Google Pixel that's old. It's not the new one. But I guess when they updated the, you know, the the software or whatever, they made it so that the the existing Google Pixels can do this, erase people from photos. And they call the tool the, um, you know, whatever they call it, but it's like erase marker or something. And you hit that and it'll actually recommend things to erase and it's really fun. I, I, you know, I got got sucked down a rabbit hole yesterday. I ended up going through all sorts of pictures on my phone and erasing people in the background of these uh, of these photos. So, uh, as part of uh, follow back of of uh, of uh, flashback Friday, I'm going to post this photo of Rudy Giuliani and me uh, from uh, I guess it was from a year ago, more than a year ago. And we were in we were at an event for his son, Andrew, who was kind enough to call in the other day. And uh, Rudy sees me and he just gives me a lecture on the mafia. He was he had heard one of the racket report podcasts that we did and he didn't appreciate what one of my guests had said. And he had a very different view of the situation. So he he sat me down and it was so funny. He sat me down and there were a lot of people that wanted to talk to him and take his picture and get his autograph. And the only thing he wanted to do was straighten me out on this one mafia issue. I may get Rudy on the racket report podcast soon so that we can have an extended discussion about what we were talking about. Rudy, of course, before he was the mayor of New York city, before he was a, a radio talk show host, he was a terrific um, prosecutor. When I say terrific, he wasn't terrific in terms of the defendant side of things, but in terms of getting convictions, he certainly racked up an impressive record. Uh, We'll talk about it, hopefully, maybe next week. I'll ask him if he wants to do it. He is a a busy man. But if you you haven't yet heard the Racket Report podcast, you can listen to it by either going online and searching the Racket Report on any podcast app or... You can just uh, you can just um, you know uh, go to redapplepodcastnetwork.com. But it's really funny, you know. There's one photo of Rudy and me talking at a table in a diner, and there's this lady in the background. And oh, actually, come to think of it, it's Dr. Maria Ryan in the background. 
but you don't see your face. I, but I recognize it. And then with the erase tool, I erased it, and it now it's just the two of us. So uh, I didn't mean to erase Dr. Ryan, but it's just the back of her head. I don't think she. You deleted Dr. Ryan. I, I not intentionally, not intentionally. So sorry, Dr. Ryan. I apologize. She's a nice lady, very nice lady, and a smart woman. We're going to get her on the show sometime too. But I'm going to post that on Facebook so you can see. Uh, maybe I'll do a back-to-back comparison. But uh, I'm going to post it at Facebook.com slash Morano fan. All right. Joe, if you want to comment on anything we've been talking about, you're welcome to. 800-848-9222. Joe is in Orange County. Hello, Joe. Doing, Frank. Good. Uh, just, just like with the kids, you know, I mean, when, uh, years ago when we used to go camping a lot, I used to make sure the kids didn't bring the video games. And we used to sit by the fire, go on hikes and stuff like that. But even today, these parents are so wrapped up in their own social media mm. with the TikTok and the Facebook. They don't play with their kids. They let the video game babysit the kids. You know what I'm saying? So I, I blame them, too. It ain't just the kids' fault. Oh, you know? yeah. Oh, no. I blame them mostly. Uh, I wouldn't say I blame them, too. I blame them mostly. Now, I think what you did with your kids in, in making them, you know, put down their devices and everything, I think that's great. And I appreciate the call, Joe. But I think there's so much value, just to reiterate what I was saying a little while ago, to playing with other children without any adults around. You need to learn if uh, someone is accused of cheating, for instance, and there's no adult to turn to and and ask, wait, was that a ball or a strike or was that was he safe or out? You need to learn the skills of working things out with your peers when there's no authority figure around to run to or or to or to talk to about it. So I think what you're doing is great, Joe. But I think the experience that you get of playing with other children with uh, no adults around, I think that's important as well. Aside from just the device deprivation, just that act of uh, unorganized play with your peers, I think builds so many skills for the future. But what do I know? You know, if I knew anything about child psychology, I imagine I would be doing something related to that instead of pontificating on the radio. Maria is on Long Island. Hello, Maria. <laughs> You're great. You're Thank so good. You, you tried to help that guy with the Dr. Seuss book, and here I am running off like 20 books, only because I, I can remember reading those books to our son, um, Green Eggs and Ham. But anyway, uh, speaking of children, sure. we played in the streets for hours. We played at the park for hours. You know, this is in the 70s. In the 70s when it was so cool and and today everybody's on these. It's like attached to them. I don't like it still. But anyway, I come from I come from Island Park, and your other show had Al D'Amato on. I hung out with his daughter. Anyway, uh, you're good because I'm trying to get the the, the the contest, trying to be number seven because somebody wrote on your website about uh, about a woman, you know. But you know, it's it's just all according to the phone and how it. How you pick up? Yeah, unless Kenneth is getting paid something on the side from people, I don't know. Yeah, I, you had Al Damato on. No, but I not didn't. You, the other I guy. Didn't. The other yeah, guy. the other guy. The other guy. The not other not guy. me. Definitely not me. And you're so kind, and 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 I've been reading the website and things people say about you. Some people think like you're in your sixties. I saw your picture. I said the guy is not even forty. Well, hey, th- I have the gray hairs of a, of a, of a 90-year-old. Uh, thank you, Maria. You know, I'll tell you, um, my, uh, my, um, my father still does not have any gray hairs. 
And yet I uh, look at pictures of myself and I am gray upon gray. So um, it, <laughs> as Yogi would say, it is getting late early. Um, so, uh, but I appreciate you listening. Thank you. Hey, you know, it is interesting. One of the, one of the things that I attribute a great deal of my gray hairs to is the years that I have spent toiling in the fields of minor party politics. And, um, you know, if, if you don't know my history, I was very involved in the leadership at different times in my life in three different political parties. And for the most part, all of these were uh, tremendously frustrating, and they were a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money, and, um, you know, they were a lot of aggravation, quite frankly. It would cost me friendships with many people, and uh, it was such a frustrating experience and so stressful that um, I always realized that I was better without it, intellectually, but in the back of my brain... You know, in between the time that I was in the leadership of the Independence Party to the Reform Party, and then in between the time of the Reform Party to the SAM Party, I would always keep in the back of my brain, and really, since the SAM Party lost ballot access, I would always keep in the back of my brain, well, maybe there'll be another opportunity. And I'd always kind of, in the back of my brain, and sometimes even on paper, kind of sit there and strategize, all right, well, this is what I'd have to do to form a new political party or to get involved with an existing political party and and do my thing. But, uh, and I always felt guilty that I was not doing more to advance the cause of electoral reform and uh, reform of the political system and building the independent political movement. But I really have come more this week, more than anything to some level of peace that maybe that's not my destiny right now. And maybe I'm just better off staying away from that, you know, because I think back to all the things that I did and they just took a tremendous toll on my health, my personal life, my family life. And I know everyone around me is much happier with me not being involved. And the, the things that I enjoy doing about that kind of thing, you rarely get to do, you know, talk about ideas and, Um, speak on different issues and candidate recruitment. So much of being in the leadership of a political party, it just is tedium. It was very uh, encrusted with bureaucratic tedium. So uh, I feel like in a lot of ways I'm kind of free to do whatever I want. I could work on whatever campaigns that I want, support any candidates that I want, go to whatever speaking engagements that I want, and yet not have to worry about the... Uh, deadlines of uh, filing this, mailing that, doing that, petitioning for this. And I look at all the opportunities uh, throughout my life that I missed because uh, I was involved with the leadership of a political party. I remember one time I had the opportunity to go to Russia for free uh, to work on a, a project there. I won't get into what it was, but I declined it because it was the petitioning season and I was not going to be able to leave the country during petitioning season and still have all the candidates qualify. So I really have come to think that uh, maybe, you know, that's not not for me, because honestly, every election, I think, all right, you know, is there some way that I can use this to uh, springboard back into minor party leadership? And I really I don't know what it is. I was on a, a conference call. 
uh, with some minor party leaders for a non-ballot access minor party the other day. And I like a lot of what they're saying and a lot of what they're doing, and I may help them with certain things. But um, another party asked me to be a leader, and I had to say no. I just am too busy with all these other things, and I don't see reasonably how when I'm struggling to find the time to sleep, how I can take on what amounts to being yet another full-time uh, full-time job. All right. I uh, want to wish a happy birthday to Buddy Velastro, the cake boss. Uh, he's celebrating his birthday today. And uh, Alex Lupa, who I used to work with in the radio business, who gave us some good bumper music selections. We didn't get to them, but we'll get to them for Monday. It's his birthday today as well. And um, Pro Bowl running back Herschel Walker is celebrating his birthday today. He also was uh, a candidate for U.S. Senate in Georgia, although uh, not a successful one. And actress Julie Bowen, who I used to love on the series Boston Legal, she's celebrating her birthday today. And uh, she was on a show that my wife really enjoyed. I think it's off the air now called Modern Family. Which uh, which is certainly a very popular show, but uh, I haven't seen it. It's on my list of shows to watch one day. Happy birthday to everybody. It also happens to be International Irish Whiskey Day. I uh, would celebrate by having an Irish whiskey, but I am abstaining due to Lent. I'll tell you, what an irony of all ironies that both St. Patrick's Day and International Irish Whiskey Day are smack dab in the middle of Lent. Uh, today's also National Anthem Day, uh, because I think this was the day in 1931 where uh, the Star Spangled Banner became the official U.S. National Anthem, thanks to uh, President Herbert Hoover. All right, we'll do 15 seconds of fame in a moment. If you want to be heard for 15 seconds, you can do so at 800 848 Nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight ninety two twenty two. This is the other side of midnight. Straight ahead. The other side of midnight. Don't you love an extra hundred dollars in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March thirty first to get a hundred dollars back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano.
This is indeed the other side of midnight. Hey, we've talked about this before, but let me mention this very quickly before we get to 15 seconds of fame. By the way, if you want to be heard for 15 seconds, all you have to do is dial 800-848-9222. That is 800-848-9222. You remember the Havana Syndrome you remember what a big a big deal that was? Uh, we heard so much about that, and I've covered this at uh, at length. And um, lo and behold, well, remember, for instance, I interviewed uh, Mark Polymeropoulos, who was a leading C- a CIA officer, not a slouch by any means, and he talked about his experience with the. Havana syndrome. So I was visiting Russia. Um, I was uh, I was on a ten day visit. It was December of 2017. Um, I was at that time the uh, the uh, uh, deputy chief of clandestine operations for Europe and Eurasia. So that Russia was part of my portfolio. So I was visiting the embassy. I was going to see um, our you know an esteemed ambassador there, John Huntsman. I was actually going to meet with Russian government officials as well. And it was uh, it was one night. I you know woke up in the middle of the night. Staying at a five star hotel in Moscow, only only several blocks from the embassy, um, and I had an incredible case of, of vertigo. You know, I'd been in Iraq and Afghanistan. I'd been subject to you know all sorts of you know uh, put my life in danger, been shot at. But this was the scariest moment of my life, where the room is spinning. I had a terrible headache, tinnitus, which is ringing in the ears, oh, and sure. it started this medical journey that even to this day has lasted. You know, I still have I, I've had a headache for almost you know three and a half years straight. Um, and you know, it's something that caused me to retire, uh, uh, because, you know, the headaches were, were so severe and, um, you know, and, and ultimately it was, a, it was, a, it was a, it was a pretty awful experience and something that, uh, you know, I wouldn't you know wish on my, my worst enemy. So it turns out this week we learned that th- we were told by everybody, media outlets, uh, intelligence people leaking to media outlets that this was the result of a foreign adversary, maybe Russia. That was the most likely culprit, maybe Cuba. Well, it turns out this week, cases of what has been, and I, again, I, I'm not besmirching Mark Polymeropoulos. I think he's real, a real hero, and I think his public service that he's given to this country is very admirable. I think he's a real patriot. I certainly don't think he was faking. That being said, uh, cases of what has become known as Havana Syndrome were unlikely to have been caused by a foreign adversary or some type of directed energy weapon. According to U.S. intelligence, the new analysis does not pinpoint a cause for the reported illnesses, but points to possible environmental factors and pre-existing medical conditions in many cases. The number of cases reported has surpassed 1,500 across 96 countries, afflicting diplomatic staff and uh, military personnel with symptoms including some of the things you just heard, vertigo, nausea, brain fog, more. Previous reports have noted both that the similar physiological effects may be caused by pulsed microwave or radio frequencies and that the Soviet Union carried out a program to irradiate the U.S. Embassy with microwaves during the Cold War. Analysts said the intelligence update likely means a specific cause, if any, may never be determined. This new, rep- this new report is the result of a years-long probe into the illness. And uh, I think this is really important because the next time somebody tells you to blame Russia in the media, don't. For instance, you know, 
you read this week's report that the Havana syndrome is essentially fake, that it's not caused by foreign adversaries, I should say, and that the lab leak theory is viable about COVID. And in fact, the energy department subscribes to that. And yet the media and the intelligence agencies that fed the media spent literally years telling their audience the opposite. Why doesn't that bother them? How do they justify doing it? I understand that there's no career pressure to admit that they spread disinformation. And I know that the media corporations that own these companies reward it. But on a personal level, these news anchors that said all this stuff, doesn't bother them at all. They know they spread these lies that are now debunked, yet they just never acknowledge it. Never. Uh, When I make a mistake about John Lennon and Paul McCartney, I acknowledge it. When I make a mistake about uh, one of the Osmonds' age, I acknowledge it. All right, without further ado, it is time for you to be heard for 15 seconds as part of... The Other Side of Midnight. This is 15 Seconds of Fame. Fernando! Hey, how you doing? (laughs) Frank, it's me, Fernando, from Japan. Hey, uh, Fernando, uh, you know, we only got 15 seconds here. Uh, Let's talk Monday. Jim... Hey, Frank, I just want to let you know that you know, Sid's not a moron. It's the people that play your contest. They're the morons. Hello. Joe. Hey, Frank, did you finish the movie yet? My dad's an alien? Because if your dad has no gray hair, he's got to be an alien. Fred. Hey, Frank, last week I had to visit my sister in Iowa. I was sandwiched between two 300-pounders in flannel shirts. Talk about big farmer. Mark, when you use it, when you use the death of people to make money, don't try to teach to other people what is moral, what is immoral. Sir Dominic Carter, you are funeral home. Steve, since the moron, since the moron, since the moron. Mary, uh, the forty days of Lent do not include Sunday, otherwise it would be forty-six days. Well, so you can drink on Sunday. Well, Mary, yeah, uh, w- thank you. And you know what I do is I observe it on Sunday because I stop on Holy Thursday. In the evening of Holy Thursday, that's when Mass ends for me. And if you look from Ash Wednesday to Holy Thursday, if you include Sundays, it's 40 days. So if you don't, if you indulge on Sundays, then you have to go towards Easter Sunday. But I have a whole thing that I like to do on Holy Thursday, which includes karaoke and, and booze. So that's why I, I don't drink on Sunday. Hey, until Monday, Frank Moreno, good day. I love my Italian heritage and the food that goes along with it. That's why on Sundays after church, I head over with my father to Italo's Fine Foods on Forest Avenue in Staten Island with our list from mom. They have two locations on Forest Avenue, 1566 and the new one at 725. It's family owned and serving Italian specialties since 2014. They also have a full catering menu, the freshest meats, imported San Martino tomatoes from Italy, and the best mozzarella. Order in store by phone or online. They even deliver. ItaloFineFoods.com I-T-A-L-O FineFoods.com. Tell them Vinny Madugno and WABC sent you. Manja.